Okay, so thanks for holding down the fort. I appreciate it. Um, so where do you want to jump into? You know, honestly, I was surprised the top topic in the poll that people wanted to hear about was Dark Side of the Ring. Collision in Korea or the yeah. upcoming Warrior? Okay. The collision in Korea. Yeah, I'm down to start with that. I, I thought it was a great episode. Yeah, you know, I've heard Bischoff talk about it, but I knew nothing about the two cold Scorpio road <laughs> hawk, warrior hawk. Like, that was wild. Yeah, I didn't know any of that either. And, yeah, the whole story was wild. Like, I mean, they were really in danger over there. Like, they really, like, you know, that was that was no joke. But, I mean, they should not have, they should not have gone to begin with. But, like, that was a... Uh, one thing that I thought was so crazy is like, and I didn't know Bischoff really didn't explain this either is like, they were forced to go like the, the people, like they had no desire to see pro wrestling. Oh, the fans, like, the fans yeah, that were there. Yeah. The fans. Yeah. The prisoners. Like, and, and it was like 200,000 people each night. <laughs> yeah. It was like 180,000 yeah. people that opened with Benoit and two cold Scorpio. And they're like, Eh, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Didn't that care. was crazy. So, yeah. Uh, I the overall like, I I just think that that we constantly see that the business was just such a cliche, masculine driven rock star lifestyle. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I that whole thing was that whole episode was nuts. Like, it's so funny because the fans had no, or I keep saying fans, the people that were forced to be there just yeah. had no idea what they were watching. Like, and they a lot of them had never seen like a white or a black person before, probably like because of all the that's just how they, I mean, you know what that's I mean? True. Like, imagine being think about that. Imagine being told like your whole life that like white people are the devil or like black people are like inferior or whatever. Like, you're literally taught this stuff in schools, but you've never actually seen a per, one of them, uh, you know, anyone unlike you ever in real life you just heard about this stuff maybe in like textbooks yeah. or whatever and then you're forced to go to this thing where there's this big ring you don't know what any of this is and now there's like this white guy and this black guy fighting each other and like like you got to be so confused as to like what is happening and like if like you were told lies your whole life or if you're watching basically like you know, people that you should hate that are doing it for your entertainment. Like, I don't know how you're supposed to process. Like when Eric Bischoff was talking about running through the streets and people running away in terror because they had never seen a white person before. Like that is, uh, that's just so unreal to me. To, well, to not only that, like Muhammad Ali came there. Like yeah. that's crazy. It was just like such on a different level of like stardom that like, and like yeah. Ali and Anoki who already yeah. had that like long history and like for them to just go there with that wild. But like, imagine just seeing like buff guys too. Cause none of those, they're not used to seeing like huge dudes, like such a wild story. Yeah. And like Brandon saying in the chat, Scott Norton was just marking out for Ali the entire episode, which is true. Yeah. Like, and like half that, like half the guys on that, um, on that episode are basically talking about how, pretty much the whole trip was worth it just to watch Ali's shadow box and like that temple or whatever they were talking about. Like, yeah, 
flare kissing well, the crowd in Japan when they got back. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, is like I could understand like American soil, but like Japan, like yeah. he he was just so grateful to just be out in North Korea. Like exactly. But like yeah. Two Cold Scorpio almost killed Hawk. Like that's crazy to me. Like and also like I'm not trying to get super controversial, but the way that they said that like Hawk called him the N-word, like I really feel like back in the day that word was floated around like it was almost nothing. And like it's just crazy to me the life that was lived back then. And that's why it's so hard to judge guys from what they did in the past to the world and the environment that we're in now. Yeah, but he's also lucky he didn't get stabbed. Like, oh, one hundred percent out there, like saying that to like. <laughs> no, like it just, it just to me though. I just feel like that was probably always used when a, a white wrestler was fighting with a black wrestler, and I'm think it was mostly like common it wasn't it was just fighting words it wasn't like this huge outrage that had to be addressed in the locker room or whatever it was just like what did you say okay let's go you know like just a totally different time back then yeah that that whole thing was nuts um and also how, how crazy was bischoff to even agree to that like the the that just shows you how motivated he was to get a one-up on Vince, to take WCW to, like, a different level. Yeah. Yeah, and he, like, didn't ask for permission to even, like, go no. over there. and stuff. The Something about the Scorpio thing I don't want to forget about. This is, like, the wildest – this is one of the wildest things about this whole story, which is a yeah. wild-ass story, was – of all people, Chris Benoit convinced Crew Cold not to murder Road Warrior Animal or Road Warrior Hawk. Like of that's all great, people, of that's, all that's people, a great valid point. Chris Benoit is the one who talked him out of it. Like how, how mind blowing! Like what? Like what a wild just twist in that story too. Like wow, of anyone it could have been to talk him out of murder. Like wow. Can you can you imagine if Hogan actually went? Oh, that was a great story, too. Oh, no, brother, I'm not going to break that one. <laughs> I have to miss that one, brother. <laughs> and then Flair, like, thought he was, like, the like, man. Who's like, oh, you're my the second, second guy that yeah. I could ask? Oh, yeah. Ric Flair. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, it worked out perfect because Hogan isn't going to have that type of match with the Noki, and they're not going to get, you know, the crowd actually into it. Although I rewatched some of that on YouTube, yeah, the crowd was still pretty quiet for that Anoki match. Like, I watched it also. Not, yeah, so I was like, mm, not so sure about that. John with a good point too. If Hawk, if Scorpio would have stabbed Hawk, yeah, he would have been in Korea for. He would have been there forever. Like, and I think that's part of what Benoit was telling him, according to the I story. I think they they wouldn't play with an American killing someone. They would just kill them. Yeah. Well, yeah, that or that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But the way that they operate, yeah. Yeah. What a and what's crazy story. is is like a lot hasn't changed in North Korea. It's kind of still the same. It's not like you go back and like this is how it was back then. It's like 
it's still kind of the same. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's just wild how they're able to like just fabricate reality. Like and these people that live there just have no choice and they like, they're just only, they are only given uh, access to the things that the government wants them to have access to. So it's like they have, I mean, they're, it's, I mean, of course their views are going to be skewed. Like they have no, they don't know any different. They literally they're not like, allowed. They're not allowed to have social media. They're not allowed enough. to have YouTube. They're not allowed to be able to see anything outside what the government wants to sh- for you to see. Yeah. It's like, I, I watched part of the collision Korea show afterwards, like, like you did. Yeah. And like, it was really interesting also on commentary, listening to Eric Bischoff and I think it was Mike Tanay and I can't remember who else was in there with them, but it was wild. Cause like, as the matches are happening, Bischoff is like explaining to the audience, like on commentary about how, you know, the people here are only have access to like three to three television channels and like one run radio station. And like, and like they are like, they're explaining how, like it, how controlled everything is. Like, so like they, like they knew it wasn't a good idea to be there. Like they knew that they had to have known that it's outside of just the big trying to do the, the biggest wrestling event ever thing, which is really what I think Bischoff was trying to accomplish. But like yeah. on commentary, they seem very uneasy with like, the whole situation like it comes through when you listen to the commentary it's, yeah yeah it's i don't i was a but that's a wild man i was really entertained by the, by the dark side episode though i mean very entertaining show and to me that's what i prefer dark side of the ring to do is to tell stories that like about the wrestling business that things that happen and not necessarily do biographies on wrestlers that died in a tragic way or a tragic story because at the end of the day a lot of these guys are not able to defend themselves they're not able to tell their truth you know what i mean so for sure it's i enjoy them but i feel like one of them is gonna cross the line one of them's gonna go too far and then it's going to be like, eh, I, I don't know how much longer you can do this. But there's so many different stories out there that you don't have to go there. Like Nick Gage, for example, like the fact that you can learn about him and he's still active it, it, and he's able to tell his own story. I think that that makes it really worthwhile. And honestly, I bought tickets to GCW, and one of the main reasons was so I could see Nick Gage. So there you go. Dark Side of the Ring did its job, and uh, I feel like he's going to be a bigger star than what he was before. I, and I feel like there's a chance. We're, I'll get this out of the way right now. We, we haven't mentioned this. We're going to be doing a full AEW Double or Nothing prediction show on Thursday night. So we're – if, if y'all have any like double or nothing related questions or anything, if you send a super chat, we'll still give you answers on that stuff tonight, but we're going to do like a full in-depth preview on Thursday. So that's not going to be a part of like a regular topics. But the reason I preface that right now is because I did also want to mention that I think it's totally possible that Nick Gage pops up a double or nothing or something. Like I, I think wow. there's so much, there's so much buzz about him. And I think, I think they've done a pretty good job, especially with these shows and stuff of like, 
explaining that he's been reformed over the last handful of years to where, you know, to where you're not just like booking like a criminal, right? Like you're booking a guy who was a criminal, but like has been doing really good things in recent years, you know, inside and outside of wrestling. Like he's, you know, he is a really good example of like a guy getting another chance and like making the best of it. So I, I, I would think it'd be crazy if something happened where like, you know, Mox and Kingston, something's happening, and then boom, Nick Gage hits the ring. And I mean, I think I'd just be insane, especially with fans there. They'd be going nuts. Yeah. Man. No, it, I mean, he's got on like small shows to go at him. So who knows if he returns the favor? Yeah. I mean, if you're GCW, you're Brett Lauderdale. Like, I, I love how they do their own thing. Like GCW kind of stays in their own lane and, and beats their own drum and doesn't care what the rest of the wrestling world thinks about it. But Brett Lauderdale being a businessman as well, like you got to imagine he's like, man, if we can get Nick Gage on AEW a couple times, like what that would do yeah. for our business. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, so. No, they have some guys from like uh, on AEW dark and things like that. So I don't know, but it is a, uh... It's another forbidden door that you would never think would be open that could possibly be open. But there's no way that happens unless Mox is willing to do it. You know what I mean? Like, to me, if they do anything, this is all Mox driven. I don't see Tony Khan approaching him and being like, hey, um, I think that you should face Nick Gage. You know what I mean? I think... Tony's more like I think Mox is going up to Tony and being like I want to face Nick Gage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of where I think that's probably like exactly where it's at too. Like, I I just yeah. I mean, look at what Mox has been able to do. We talked about it last week, but even on top of like Bloodsport and GCW and all the other stuff he's doing, like you've also got him getting them to bring in Nagata and and. Um, Kenta and like I mean it's it's really it's really really incredible and I see Corey saying not to you know waste a, uh, a surprise basically on on Nick Gage I don't think that that necessarily would take anything away from if we did see Andrade or Daniel Bryan or Tessa Blanchard or something like that like I I think that the, it, it would all generate different types of pops for different types of reasons like I don't think yeah. that, you know what I mean? If Nick Gage showed up, I don't think that would take anything away from if Brian Danielson also showed up. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking, and that's like, I'm not really sure what the core base of AEW is. Is it like diehard indie fans that wanted an alternative? Is it just like mainstream wrestling fans that want an alternative? Like, that's where I'm kind of like, or is it just like more left-leaning people that don't feel like wrestling is for everyone, but they like AEW, you know? Like, I think it's kind of a mixed mag, bag, but I don't know the core audience. I think, I, I don't, I don't think there is a true core audience. Well, I think it is a mixed bag, like you're saying, like that's mainly would be the answer, I think, but if you had to choose one core audience, yes. I think it's mainly driven regardless of like where you are, whether you're like a diehard wrestling fan or like a wrestling is for everyone type. It's, I think it's just people who are truly looking for an alternative to the WWE. Like you want to yeah. watch mainstream wrestling. 
you're tired of what the WWE is giving you. I think you're just going to, a lot of people are going to fall under that category that are hardcore lifelong fans like us, you know, like that's yeah. going to be a lot of that group. But I think there's also plenty of the like wrestling is for everybody type crowd that also are like, man, Raw sucks. Like, I just want to watch yeah. something good in there and watch an AEW because they, because they might like it better. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of reasons. I just like I said, it's not it's not a concrete idea or answer. It's just I think about that. Like what is their core audience? Who is that they're really trying to well, get to buy everything, you know? Well, it's funny cuz you actually answered your, like that last thing you said actually like reaffirmed my but I'm going to say even more. It's I know what the core audience is. It's Tony Khan. <laughs> That's a core audience. I this mean, is, that's, that's so, kind of true. So, it's, and to it's, me, Tony is more of a hardcore fan. Yes, yes like, for sure. At the end of the day, and like at Double or Nothing, which was two years ago at this point, right? Two years. They this yeah. they're on the third Double or Nothing, so that's why I mix it up. But um, they like the crowd loved Dustin Rhodes. You know what I mean? Because they're long-time fans. You know, they watched him in WCW. They saw him as gold dust, like the whole nine. So I do think that that same diehard fan base that goes to Mania Weekend, not just Mania, but Mania Weekend, are the same fans that are traveling to go to AEW pay-per-views. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. John sent us a super chat. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, John. And just just to let you guys know, like, I bought a new mic with some of this super chat money. You know what I mean? So, like, at the end of the day, I'm using some of this money to make the show better and to continue to advance. So when you guys support it, I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Same here. Um, Yeah. What do you guys think of Kenny Omega taking a shot at Cornette and JR in response to Jericho's tweet calling him the best wrestler in the world? Uh, I actually liked it. I liked it because I feel like Kenny takes the high ground a lot. And to me, I'm just, I'm over this silence thing. Like if you're, if you feel wrong, if you feel like people are painting a narrative of you that isn't true, then stand up and say something. And it's a lot easier to kick somebody down when they don't say anything. And so it's like Kenny fired a pretty legit insult at Jim Cornette and he's going to pay for it. Don't get me wrong. They're going to, he's going to, come out and probably dedicate a whole hour to Barry Kenny Omega. But at least it just doesn't seem like Kenny's in the corner just getting berated on and doesn't do anything about it. Yeah, I just thought it was really funny. Like I just thought the, the tweet was really funny. So that's what, what, do, what do you think about Jim Ross calling Randy Orton the best wrestler in the world? I didn't see that he said that. I'm not surprised. That's what but, he said. Um, not surprised that he said that. You know, with it being him. I mean, I don't think you need to fake how you feel. But I think you really need to question 
why you're there. Like, if this is just a cash grab, like, be up front to the office. And when your contract's up, do not resign. Like, I wish they would just say, we're good. I don't, I don't think he should be the one to make the decision. But at the end of the day, he, he doesn't fit this. He just doesn't. Yeah, I agree. People have been saying that since day one. You know, the only the only benefit you get from having Jr. on commentary with AEW, the only benefit at all, is it's a familiar voice that a lot of people associate with the Attitude Era and like when they love being a wrestling fan. That's really the only benefit you get from Jr. at this point with AEW. Um, but like even before he went to AEW, the reason WWE stopped using him. Is because he's not as good anymore. Like he's just not. So now he's not as good as anymore. And then you're putting him into a product that he doesn't care about. So it just comes across like he's bored. Like, yeah, it would happen in New Japan with him. Also, he would like mix, he'd like mix up the Briscoe brothers constantly and stuff. I remember like you can just kind of tell he wasn't really completely in the loop as to what. Or like the on. Bucks were having a match, and he'd be like, "Folks, they're just going so fast here; it's hard to call the action." Like, yeah, dude, stop it. Yeah, I, and then like Don Callis comes in with Kevin Kelly and like absolutely kills it. Yeah, he's so, doing great. Yeah, but they have a lot of good options, like outside of Jr. for sure. One hundred percent. But I would just love to have where a booth is all behind the product and excited about the product and not like someone just dragged him out there and says, Hey, call this. Yeah, no, I agree. I think most AEW fans would agree. And like you said, to the core base, the only ones that give him a pass are the hardcore ones that that's like the voice of their childhood. And he's the voice of mine, but like, I'm ready to move on. Like, yeah, for sure. I don't I mean, need him. Speaking of that, we don't have to talk about it long, but did you see that? I think his name was Ad, Adnan Verk, I think was his name. Yes. He I, I, he, I think he had only been the raw commentary dude for like a month. And he got, or he, they mutually decided to part ways today with the company. <laughs> I saw him on one show where it was like Michael Cole or somebody wasn't available. I don't know if it was because of the, sickness or what but he had to step in and i saw him in that one show but didn't they say that i like mutually agreed that's what they said yeah so it's probably like he's like yeah i'm not good at this i don't like this and i'm gonna leave and they're like great you're not good move on yeah, I don't I'm, know. i'm assuming it was some and this is just a complete guess but i'm assuming it was something like because the guy came from ESPN, and he was definitely – he was a good broadcaster. Like, I haven't been watching Raw since he's been the guy, but I watched, like – I think it was maybe the Raw right after WrestleMania. I think he was on there. Yeah. And I remember it was, like, very clear that he didn't really know what to do. And, you know, but it was kind of funny hearing it because he was, like, marking out – kind of we were talking about with Don West last week. I, I like having a guy on the commentary marking out as long as there's someone next to him that's, like, you know – explaining everything and, and all that stuff but it I, I, what i have to imagine happened is the dude came from espn he had all this broadcast experience 
he sat down at the table and he was like, this is going to be fun. Like I've, I've always liked wrestling, but he probably isn't like a hardcore wrestling fan, but like, he probably likes it a little bit. And then he was sitting there and probably just getting yelled in the ear the entire time by Vince McMahon and Michael Cole and all these other people for hours as he's trying to figure things out, probably just getting yelled at the whole time and like trying to sound natural and doesn't know what he's talking about to begin with. And yeah. after about a month of that, I bet, WWE is really frustrated because he didn't come across well on air. He's probably frustrated because he can't even be himself because like he's being told everything in his ear in the, and like the opposite's happening on SmackDown where you have Pat McAfee who they just let him be himself. And he comes across great from the little bit that I've seen of it. So, yeah. yeah. Pat's, Pat's been a pretty big surprise. Like just in the ring, being able to pick up commentary, like, He's just a talented dude, but what's his, like his charm is like he just doesn't care. Like he just goes in there and just wings it. He just seems like a, a frat boy that they gave a mic, and he just knocks it out of the park. Yeah, so good for him. Yeah, he's great. I, I enjoy his uh, his show that he does from twelve to three on uh, on his YouTube channel and stuff. Pat McAfee show. Like I think he's. Very entertaining guy. And he's like my around my age too. I think he's like right around my age. But uh so it's like it's cool to see like kind of like this, you know, someone can kind of be the voice of like our generation of fans too in these positions yep. also. Um yep. I and I don't know who they're gonna I don't know who they're gonna replace Adnan with or or nor do I really care to be honest, but like I I mean you got all of these like super passionate wrestling fans and like all these other companies and like the indies are full of these people who would just like die for an opportunity to make money in commentary. Like yeah. maybe, maybe stop pulling people from like outside wrestling and trying to make them do this stuff. Like maybe don't put all your eggs in Michael Cole basket for you know 20 years and make all of them carbon copies of Michael Cole. And like, you gotta have some originality. Like that's what like Corey Graves, like I'm not the biggest fan of his, but at least he's different. You know, like I, I mean, agree. you know, it's like you got to you got to mix it up a little bit. I, didn't I like just Nigel. Seen, I like too. Nigel. And the, so. the the little bit that I saw of Verk, he just seemed like a very cookie cutter. Like they were trying to mold him into a Michael Cole type commentator, is what it seemed like. And yeah, didn't work out. Jimmy Smith, yeah, yeah, this. he might wind up being all right. Corey, is he the handle. Bellator guy or the? Is that who the, Jimmy Smith? Yeah, yeah, like the real Jimmy Smith, like the one who has yeah. you watched on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, pissed me off. He's yeah, a he's Cowboys been, fan too. He, like, what's been, he doing? And I never said one bad thing about him. He's been doing takeover pre-shows or something lately. I think. Uh, really? Yeah. Damn. Like he was the voice of Bellator, yeah. and then they they got rid of him. Then he went to the UFC. That didn't work. Also, Mike Goldberg going to Bellator really didn't work. So, He's already gone, I believe. Yeah, I know. Hopefully, hopefully he didn't go into football. That was such a bad mess that he did on those preseason games. If he does hockey, though, doesn't he for the El Paso so. team? I so. think so. It is what it is. So, what did you think of the Ultimate Warrior A and E biography? I mean, I thought it was good. I mean, they definitely – it's tough. I'm, I'm much more interested in his Dark Side episode than that biography episode. Um, Why is that? Just to see what they're going to do? 
Well, yeah, and to get maybe a little more realistic insight into, like, who he really was. Because I, I think they really fluffed, like, how much of an asshole he really was in real life on that biography. Like, they, they alluded you, to a lot of it. Think, but... though, do you mm-hmm. think that a lot of it stems from that letter and the betrayal in his eyes of, like, Vince McMahon and the company – because I've gone back and listened to some of those interviews and he just comes across so bitter, like just furious. I'm talking more about talking about it. I'm talking more about like the like how like homophobic and stuff he was too. Like oh, there was yeah. like you know, there well, I don't know how much of that was tied into being screwed over by the WWE, but like the no, fact no, that he was no. Yeah. Uh, just mm-hmm. just like it but but like I, I get that part, but like if you've ever listened to stuff and he's all like, I don't remember that match, I don't remember that moment. Like I'm just a guy going out there perform, it means so much more to the fans. But then like when you find out a little bit more, he remembers everything and like all of it meant to him. You know, like so so that's where I was like, he really became bitter and yeah. angry. And I'll tell you one thing. So I don't know if people watched his stuff online because he had his own website. He did his own video blogs, all that stuff. (laughs) And like the stuff that he said about Hogan was just like, whoa. And what concerned me was his uh he said that hogan's bald in real life and that's actually just a wig and he also said that beefcake and hogan used to swap wives and sleep with each other right so when i found out that hogan was legit bald and <laughs> and, and used that for a wig i was like is everything else true and if that's the case like my whole childhood is just ruined like what but like it's like the jose canseco stuff once he said that people were on steroids it's like do we believe everything this crazy dude's saying because he was right about the steroids because he was dead on about the steroids so that's my only thing with him is like um i just remember him being ruthless i remember when davy boy died and he just basically was like he deserved it He's a drunk uh, druggie who took steroids and deserved to die, like flat out, like no remorse. Yeah. And then he would go on about like any time a wrestler would die, he would just be like, they deserved it. This business is a terrible business with terrible people and all this stuff. But it's tough, right? Because... I really feel like he did plenty of stuff that should have got him canceled, but he also had an amazing redemption story at the end. And if you canceled someone, you never get that, you know, like, and it's weird to me because I feel like the WWE has the power in their hands to determine these people's futures. Like, if he never came back, he is remembered as a terrible worker, a 
piece of crap human being, a total jerk, a guy that was completely overrated, flash in the pan. But by him coming back, he's in video games. He's action figures. He's immortalized. He's viewed as this uh, once-in-a-lifetime able to capture something and run there with Hogan. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a weird, complex story. Like, to me... He is one of those guys that's just such a crazy story in the wrestling business. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I was there in New Orleans for the for that WrestleMania and then that Raw when he would he gave the speech and all that. And that was like a powerful moment, especially with him dying like the next day and all that stuff. I mean, just unreal. It makes it more legendary. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's really, really wild. Um, and he's a guy that like, cause I the cause everything you're saying is true. Like, I I just the WWE the, the kind of issues I have with that whole biography series is knowing that it's directed by di- every episode is by a different crew, and it's pretty clear when you watch it. Like, it's like a roll of the dice of like, did this crew and the WWE itself like how do they really feel about this person, and how do you want like they they made it look like. Randy Savage was a worse human being and a crazier person than the Ultimate Warrior was. If yep. you just compare those two documentaries, I know, I know. that they're I know they're different crews, but it's the yep. same channel, it's the same show, it's it all looks the same. So like that's kind of where my thing is, where I'm like, yeah, but then we're gonna watch Dark Side of the Ring and they're gonna show us like why the Ultimate Warrior like y'all y'all left out a lot of stuff about the Ultimate Warrior this thing. So so, so my I, only issue is is. I've never heard of his ex-wife before. I've never seen anything about her. And now all of a sudden she wants to pop up and talk about what he was like. So that's where I'm like, "Mm." and then you don't have his wife involved at all. So like it, it, to me, it's like, there's no checks and balances. You can say whatever you want, whether it's true or not. And I don't love that. Well, yeah. But also to be fair, that biography series, they, I've, I've noticed how they they have this whole story about Warrior going through a, like going through his divorce, and it's a it's from his first wife, but they never clarify that ever during the show. Yeah. So it seems like his only wife is Dana, and yes. and she's credited as his wife like throughout the whole thing. So it's like even that was kind of weird and shady to me because it's like wait a second, like no the divorce was from this other woman who you're not talking about at all. That might be able to tell us a lot of stuff too, which is the person who we're going to be seeing on dark side, but they made right. it seem like Dana was with him this whole time. And yeah. then, and then on top of it, like and part of the reason why I think it's important to, I mean, there's two sides of it, right there. There at the end of the day, I'm glad that he had his redemption story. Like, I think that's amazing yeah. that he was able to come back. The fans were cheering him. The, the people that were, that were on the show talking about it, talking about how it was like, they finally had their hero back. Like after all these years, it felt like they had their hero back. But if you're going to tell, if you're going to tell the story, like you, I feel like you've got to, you got to be honest about it. And this guy's got a, I mean, you got the warrior award, which is like about like good citizens and like people with, you know, fighting or fighting, battling illness and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, I'm totally fine with that. As long as everyone, understands like you know this guy had kind of a 
there, like there's a reason they didn't do that whole um was it the the moolah battle royal that they were gonna do and they were yeah. like uh, never mind like like yeah. there's a reason they pulled it is because of her the stuff they found out she was involved with like, right so that, that's that's where I'm at. Like, I don't have a problem with the being a warrior award. I like that he has redemption, but like, if you're gonna tell the story, like, I want I want the whole story. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I didn't think though that they like shied away completely, though. Like, not they completely, some stuff. You I know? think, we're, but I think we're gonna see dark side. There's gonna be some stuff where it's like, oh, oh I, that's a pretty big one. So <laughs> you know, I was like, thinking about this too. Is let's sign. He signed the. Uh, let's say he signed the ambassador. Of the WWE, right? Right. During last year, there's no way that man keeps his mouth shut. He's going to be talking about the government. He's going to be anti-mask. He's going to be anti-vaccine. Like, he is going all in. He will be on Fox News. Like, he's not going to ignore that stuff. At that point, the way that people felt like their lives were threatened, I just feel like he would have gone completely off the handle. So whatever redemption people would have had, they would have wanted that man canceled so fast. I mean, I can't speak to any of that, obviously, but... But I'm just saying, like, based on his personality, he's listening to Rush Limbaugh. He's going up there and talking about how like the the left wants to take over everything into this uh utopia and all that stuff like he would not have been able to been quiet during that time yeah i don't know he's not around (laughs) i i i don't know i'm just saying based on my opinion his personality he would have done something that would have got him canceled and so to me, it's like tragic the way that he died, but it's also fitting. It's like it allowed him to be the ultimate warrior for that small time, but he would have ended up doing something that would have tarnished that whole night if he would have stayed alive, in my opinion. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So we've got a super chat from Sean. Appreciate it. Uh, which would you choose if one stays and one goes from John Cena's career? Okay. His feud match with Punk at Money in the Bank or his entire U.S. Open challenge run? That's a good question. Uh, if I, I would to get- probably say his U.S. Open challenge run because – Stays if he just had one good match or one good feud, I, I, I don't think you change per, perception of him like it that U.S. Open Challenge did. But you're saying you would keep the Open Challenge. I would keep the Open Challenge. Yeah, so would I for the same reasons. It that's a that whole series of matches was a big reason why I turned with John Cena, like going from like just being completely just the whole John Cena sucks type crowd to being like, you know what? This guy can actually wrestle and he's proving it right now. And he, he's shutting me up. So like he was, he was having good matches with the next generation of wrestlers. The punk thing was, was important at the time because of how 
big CM Punk was becoming, but then that really ultimately didn't wind up really going anywhere because he left the company like two years later anyway. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. But like Cesaro, Sami Zayn, Rey Mysterio, Stardust. Kevin Owens, Stardust, like he killed it. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. but honestly, that was kind of the end. And we didn't really know it. Like that was like his last real run. And then he kind of midway just like match here or there and then just gone. They also screwed up by having Del Rio be the one to beat him. I thought that was so dumb. Yeah, stupid. Like he like Del Rio had been away from the company and he came back and it was like it's like you could have had any, literally any of the names you just mentioned could have beat him, and it would have been this huge deal for whoever won. But instead, it was Del Rio, and like nobody cared. And he was a baby yeah. face for like a very short time, and it didn't work at all anyway. Just then, the League of Nations and all just terrible. terrible. Yeah, but no, I mean, it. I think it changed a lot of people's perception on him. Yeah, did you see yeah. the, see the heat that Cena got today? Yeah, I don't fully understand it. Not, and I don't want to go into it to be honest. But I, I did. Yeah. I, I saw that. I saw I that he. I saw he accidentally called Taiwan a country, but Taiwan is not a country according to the Chinese. And the Chinese basically forced him, or somebody forced him to apologize because they're promoting his movie in in China. It's basically the. With the I mean, at the end of the day, China's pretty much like North Korea, and. They control the narrative. Right. The issue is, is Hollywood is kind of owned by China. And if China doesn't want to show your movie, you're going to lose a lot of money. And I think what surprised a lot of people is Cena can speak the language. So by Cena speaking the language, people were like, what? Who is this sellout and all this stuff? But it's like, I remember Cena even said like he'd been studying Chinese for years because he wanted to get WWE in that market. Like that's how dedicated that guy was. Like, yeah, that's why that like he's doing make a wish foundation. Like he's the ultimate hall of fame guy that's done the most. And he's like on his off time, trying to learn a different language just so WWE can go into that market. Probably while on an airplane, like instead of sleeping, he's probably learning Mandarin. Like, so I I get all that, but like without getting like detailed and too detailed, like, because I'm real, I honestly, I'm very ignorant to this. I really don't know is like, is Taiwan not a country and like China takes that very like offend like they're very offended because they considered Taiwan to be a country when really China just like owns Taiwan is, is how they look at it is that what the problem I'm is guessing. I don't okay. really know why China's taking such offense to it so right but okay. I understand why Hollywood and he is trying to be like we didn't mean anything by it because they don't want their movies to tank. Oh yeah, I remember when South Park a few years ago they did that episode about Winnie the Pooh looking like the uh, like the guy who runs China or whatever because it had to, it had to do with that like movies and and no it had to do with the NBA I think at the time with like the LeBron James and and all that stuff going on. 
but yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's really, that's okay. I got, I got the, the gist of it. And, and at the end of the day, by the way, just for what it's worth, regardless of what he's, what he like actually said, right. I think that the real underlying point here too is, Clearly, John Cena said something that he didn't mean to say, or he, it was just a complete accident. Like, he definitely didn't mean anything malicious, and he was definitely forced into apologizing about it. So it's yeah. like, what are you going to do if you're him? You know what I mean? Like, so I, I don't blame him at all for, like, any of this, to you know, at all. It's just know? now, right now, if you look like you're bowing down to China in any way, you're hated. So... It is what it is. I I don't want to get too deep into it, but one thing, another thing is like, this is how crazy some of the stuff that's going on in China and Hollywood. So Marvel has a movie called the Eternals. that's coming out. And to me, it looks like garbage, but anyways, the director who just like won an Oscar, she said something about China in a negative way. And she is Chinese. And they've already told Disney, like, we're not going to show your movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's like the pot, the population of China is why they're doing it. Cause they're like, yeah. Cause they're not even, I'd imagine, I, once again, I'm ignorant to this, but I, I would imagine it isn't even as valuable to them, like per person to go see a movie in China as it would be in the U S. Cause like in the U S, I'm sure they like, you know, you know, we're paying like $20 or whatever per person to go sit in like this theater with recliners and stuff. It probably isn't it, but the amount of people in China, that's what they're trying to not miss out on. I'm assuming it's like the volume of, of eyes you get there. Um, wow. Yeah. And like, if something tanks in China, then the movie overall tanks, like they're Mm. part of the global box off is really relied on China. Gotcha. Okay, interesting. We yeah. had we had uh, three more super chats. Thank you. I know y'all oh, yeah. y'all are awesome tonight. I appreciate it. Um, Dirty Clingy, as always, I really appreciate it. Um, who would win between Usman and Izzy? Man, Usman. after seeing Yawn, I think Usman wins. I really do. Is wrestling to be sure, a big problem? I'm not sure Usman beats Vittori. Like, I'm sure we'll get into it later on in the couple weeks, but. I'm not sold on that. I think that's a great matchup, and I do think Usman will, or sorry, um, Adesanya will win that matchup, but or that rematch, I should say. But Usman, like, I don't as great as Usman's striking has looked. I don't think he would really want to stand and strike with Adesanya for too long. He might, like, but he yeah. might surprise us. Mm-hmm. But his wrestling would just like Adesanya would there. He just wouldn't be able to get off the ground. So. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'd go with Usman, but unfortunately, it's a fight that'll never happen. The two are are like brothers, you know. It's like, uh, you know, they have the whole Nigerian connection and all that with those dudes. That like, that's it's really cool to see what that part of the world is doing right now. By the way, like they are killing it in the combat sports game right now, and uh, so I don't think we'll ever see them fight each other, unfortunately. But that is a fun one to think about. Well, and another thing that I think is kind of cool is like you know, an MMA and like uh, representation, you've never really seen like Africa or anything like that take off. And now it's just like, like these countries are just taking over. Yeah. Ganu, Usman, Adesanya, like there's a ton 
that are just coming out. And they even talked about possibly forming a like a performance center over there. Could they you should. imagine the guys that they could find, the athletes that they could find? Like that would be incredible. Or dude, you probably find some dude who's like the fastest runner in the world that has never even like thought about fighting before, and it's like yep. this, like this super athlete. You know what I mean? Like put a give imagine him a pair of gloves. How many people are inspired just by Francis? You know what oh, I yeah. mean? That is like the, the guy right was now. digging ditches and and like just living in the slums, and now he's world champion. Yeah, awesome. Uh, we got a couple more super chat before we get to that. Thank you very much, George. As always, let me tell you all about the the likes because we always are trying to pump those up on the stream. Right now, we have 14 thumbs ups, which we really, really appreciate. If you don't mind hitting that like button right now, that helps us out a ton. Uh, believe it or not, there are people that are subscribed to the channel or have been subscribed for a, a long time, even back to like the Bill and Doug days. And some of those people, and a lot actually a lot of those people, don't even get like the notification anymore that like we're live. And we're constantly finding out that there's people that are like, Every week we have more people saying, hey, we didn't know you guys were doing these. And like the only way that we can get the word out, the easiest way in the free way is just to hit that that thumbs up button for us. We really, really appreciate that. And I already see that number going up. So so thank you all so much for that um, as we awesome, uh, guys. Appreciate get it. The, in the next super chat here. Thanks, y'all. Um, I'm sorry, but George, I appreciate the super chat. Do you remember this much at all? I do because I think Chris Jericho won. I could be wrong. Let, let me uh, let, let us know in the chat. Did Chris Jericho win that? Because I think that's the only reason I remember it. Why, why um, were you doing this? I can't remember what the reason was. And I this, think it was. This seems like a diva's challenge yeah. to try to become a diva. Like, that's what I would think. Yeah. And I think like it might have involved like Eugene or something, possibly too. Like, it was, it was something like that. I can't remember. Okay. I think there was even some non-wrestlers in it, maybe like the coach or something. I, 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 I like I vague, I do not vividly. I vaguely remember. Um, oh yeah, Flair was in it too, as Brandon said. I do remember that. I do remember that. I do remember that now. It was Eugene related. Yeah, it was something. It was something like like maybe Eugene was like running Raw that night or something. Oh, he was the guest GM because Chris Warden. Yes, there we go. There we Thank go. you. Thank you. So I remember that a little bit. Okay. I can't wow. believe I remembered it was Eugene. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. I just didn't like Flair do his strut when he got closer? I think he did something like that. Thank I don't know. You. Might have taken but, the jacket off at some point. I, I don't I, So this is when I started to kind of tune out. This is when like <laughs> I ordered pay-per-views and like I'm watching it and I'm like, this isn't very good. <laughs> Like, why did I do this? Like, I started to realize, I started to realize that like I ordered because of habit, not because I really wanted to see it. So like vengeance of 04, where it was like Randy Orton and edge and like uh triple H and Eugene. So I think, or triple H and Benoit. I don't remember, but like, I remember not being very good. And I was just like, and that was, I think after Great American Bash. So JBL had won the title, and then Eugene is on Raw, and I'm like, this is garbage. This is where the Bill and Doug RVD Tito for life started to form. This is where I was like, 
I'm done with this. Why why do I watch this? You know? Yeah, and we are almost I just think 20 it's so years funny. Before. Like my first video, I'm just watching Raw and I'm watching Umaga drag Tori Wilson or whoever it was. And it was Maria. It was Maria. And I was just like, like, think about that. I have no idea what I'm going to do with this. I barely watched YouTube. And I'm just like so pissed that I'm like, <laughs> I'm just going to go off on camera. This sucks. So then I just turned it on and then I uploaded it. And then I like logged in and I was like, wow, there's <laughs> comments and like people watched it. And then Bill came home because he was living with us. And I was like, dude, check this out. And then the rest awesome. of history. That's awesome. Yeah. So, these uh these were the days. Time. Yeah. Okay. Man. Tajiri yeah, let's see here. Tajiri sprayed coach miss. Rick Flair started behind Stacy Kubler. Jericho pulled Jericho from under Tomko and him with the- I remember I mean, the Jericho sounds, chair thing. Sounds like a memorable thing. I probably at this point was just like, this sucks. I'm done. I'm not watching it, this. You know, uh, you mentioned Maria a second ago. You're talking about Maria Canellis, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's, it's funny you mentioned her because that was actually when I started, like, when I started questioning how much Paul Heyman could still relate to me as a wrestling fan. Because yeah. I've, I've had that whole trajectory too, where like Heyman was yeah. God. Like, yep. there was, you could not top him as a wrestling mind. Yep. And then I started hearing him saying stuff in like more recent years about like, it's like if I could pick any minds to help me run a company, Maria Canellis would be one. It's like, what? I'm what? out. Like, how? Like, <laughs> like, no, like, no disrespect to like to her, you know what I mean? But it's like, there, like, what, Maria Canellis is like the first person you think of when you think about who you would want helping you write a show now if wrestling of all the that people. That just seems like he was hitting on her. Like, there's no I, way I don't see that. I don't, I, I don't. I was like, but anyway, I just that just came to mind. Where I, just, I remember just being so mind blown, being like, you, of all the of all the people you could have said, you said Maria Canellis. What? Yeah. Okay. No, he's definitely had those moments where it's kind of like, mm. I remember <laughs> when the whole TNA talk and him possibly taking over TNA. Yeah. And it was like, if you're Pauly dangerously, if you want revenge. If if the way the ECW One Night Stand DVD ended and you were like, maybe this place could use some competition, and you had it right there, and you're like, I'd rather re-sign with the WWE. I'm like, what What are you? You're some corporate sellout. And so then I just didn't buy him as much. But little did I know the disaster that TNA was and why you would never want to inherit that or run that so makes sense yeah i remember him doing an interview with ariel hawani around that time where he was asking him about all that stuff and it was like i remember like the big thing or at least what i remember was the whole he would like Heyman was interested but he wanted to get rid of everyone who was over the age of 40 keep like one guy like a sting or an angle or, or something that could be like his terry funk from ecw and then Everyone else was going to like, and that would have been a great idea, by the way. Like that's what, that's exactly what TNA needed at the time 
was was what Paul was suggesting, but Dixie wouldn't wouldn't Dixie didn't know what she was doing, so she was just continuing to hire and pay people who couldn't couldn't actually uh, you know make their product better or actually get people to care about it. Um, yeah, Brandon, I was excited for that interview too. That was a great interview. Helwani has done some really great. Like I used to love when he do his yearly uh, CM Punk interviews yep. um, and stuff, and now. I mean, I'll always be indebted to Ariel to a degree. Like he came on my podcast and didn't have to, and like I got yeah. a lot of it. I got a lot of opportunities, like in kind of the MMA world, because of like tweeting out for his show and stuff like that. So like, I'm always going to be an Ariel Hawani guy, but I, he's much more of a guy I don't follow as closely anymore. Like he does his own thing with ESPN. Um, I respect it, but like it's not it's not the same feeling I used to have when he like a new Ariel Hawani interview would drop, and it would yeah, it just it's not the same anymore, I, unfortunately. I, so I loved Ariel. I thought that he was like he just represented all MMA and he always found the sources. He always had the interviews. If the fans had a question that they wanted to ask a fighter, he would find a way to get a hold of that fighter and ask those questions. Like super appreciated that. But man, the past couple of years, like I am so over Ariel. Like I, I will still listen to him. He's a reliable source, all that. But I feel like that he definitely likes to put his personal opinions in things more. And he seems like a guy that is struggling with the brutality of the sport. And but it's his money maker. So he, he's he's mixed, but like anytime a guy is brutally knocked out, anytime that he feels like uh, someone was uh, like um, unjustifiably hurt or whatever, he goes on these big tangents. And I honestly think Ariel's peak, whatever, was when the Dana thing happened, I think that his cool points have kind of just gone down since. And I didn't think it was any coincidence that in that ultimate warrior biography, he was shown one time and it was basically to talk about the warrior after he wasn't a wrestler anymore, the real dark stuff. That's when he showed up and that's the only time you saw him. So I just feel like that. But to be fair, you don't know how much they talked to him, but they could have just just been all they showed. No, I agree, but he's the only one. He's the only one. Everybody else was shown multiple times. But wasn't a jury when they were talking about him being anti-Semitic and Ariel's Jewish. Like, I think it all makes sense. Like, I mean, I I get it, but it's it's almost like it fits Ariel now. Ariel to me is a a complainer. He's a guy that likes to play victim. When he started a lot of this stuff, like. At the end of the day, I side more with Dana than I do with him. And I feel like that he really fractured a relationship that he didn't have to, and he chose to, and then he tried to blame journalism for the reason. And Dana did Dana was really good to him too. Oh, I and, remember, yeah. I mean, like Dana sat with him when they broke the news of purchasing Strike Force. He gave yep. him all the interviews, everything. And if you notice with Ariel, pretty much any like real close relationship he has, he usually burns it. So, 
Yeah, but yeah. I, don't, I don't want. I'm not. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. The guy's been great to you, so fully get that. Just for me, yeah, as perspective. I feel like that his ego's kind of gotten out of control. He thinks that he's bigger than the sport sometimes, and he puts his own personal feelings and things that just isn't necessary. Yeah, well, and he also like he said some stuff recently, like during like the Corano thing and all that, where like he was a little. I mean, a lot of people were really upset about the stuff Gina Carano was saying, but he also said a lot of things that were like really emotional before he actually looked deep enough into the story himself and then wound up like kind of apologizing about some of it as well. So I think that that comes along with, unfortunately, I think all that just comes along with the fame for a lot of people. Like, like John saying in the chat, like, you know, it's not, I'm not really trying to justify all of it, but it's, like he's, you know, I'm not gonna say he is bigger than the sport because I, I don't think anybody is, but like he's about as high up as you can get. You know what I mean? As far as like not working for the company, like yeah. you know, you know the only the only thing that could really screw his career up at this point is this, is if like he lost his job with ESPN and then no fighters would give him any anything. Like you know, that's really. And that's pretty on well. It's pretty. It's pretty clear that he burned a bridge with Ali, and he doesn't get any of those fighters yep. anymore. So, yeah. like, they're definitely there. To me, I think Brett Akimoto can replace him right now. Well, he's already it, he's already their he, scoops guy for ESPN. That's what I'm saying. But, so, like, I don't but, think. And, and not only that, I think if Ariel could get a job with the NBA or anything like that. He would kiss the sport goodbye so fast. Like, thank you. Well, he's definitely trying to get more work with the NBA. That's for that's for sure. And the Ali thing, that's – I mean, there's a lot of sides to that too. I mean, a lot of that stems from Ariel Hawani point blank asking Ali if he's a terrorist on his show and – or if he has worked with terrorists in the past. And yeah. Ali wouldn't say yes or no, so Ariel was, like, pushing it. He's like – like. Like you can't you can't just say that you are or aren't involved with Eris. Like that's a pretty like you know what I mean? And but to be fair too, like Ali could be involved with things where like he's not allowed to talk about certain things, probably right. too, because he like actually was an informant for like I mean that's like it's anyway, that's a whole other story. But the point is yeah. Ariel was asking questions that people like you just said, there were answers that people wanted to know about because like we're the whole MMA community is hearing about Ali Abdelaziz being involved with terrorist organizations and like he isn't denying it. So Ariel's like, you know, but anyways, their, their relationship's been up and down, but it's definitely. Really but a lot right of things now. too will be like, he will throw little jabs and then act innocent yeah. afterwards. And like those fighters are alphas, man. And they don't want to hear some guy that they view as a beta just talking crap about them on the radio. So then sure. they just burn it. And that happens a lot. It happened with Nick Diaz. It happened with Rampage. It happened with Tito. He literally dedicated like a whole 30-minute part of the MMA hour for him and Matt Mitrione just to trash Tito. And then, and not only that, Tito was one of the first people to give him an interview. Tito was giving him exclusives when he was on MMA Rated. Yeah, And, like, that's where I have a problem with Ariel is, like, he did burn some bridges. Oh, for sure. He did it to Cowboy, too. Like, Cowboy didn't do a show anymore. Like, I mean, there's yeah. there's, there's there's plenty of them. Um, 
But yeah. And I think in this business, at the end of the day, you're going to hurt people's feelings. And I like Ariel way more than Luke Thomas. Can't stand Luke Thomas. But I, I, I like Ariel more than that. I don't hate Ariel. I just don't look at him as like the end-all, be-all anymore. Plus, I think not having the MMA hour definitely hurts. I don't want to watch him in D.C. joke about which holiday it is and talking about food and like they goof off a lot. And I enjoy just having a solid lineup of usually fighters that just fought or are going to fight and you would find out so much information and yeah. it's not like that anymore. Oh, yeah, I agree. I have I haven't actually watched the show since yeah, DC came on. So it's uh it's, it's not good. And I used to good. And I used to like part of my living guys. eating it. Yeah. So, but I mean, they literally like Ariel be like, do you know that it's national apple pie day? And like DC will just be like, man, where do you come up with all this? And, blah, blah, blah. and they'll just go on. And then it's like, you guys want to talk about fights or, you know, so. Yeah. Real quick about the ultimate warrior, though. Like. I, I look back and like everybody wants to talk about how terrible of a worker he was and all this and like I just don't think it fits anymore like at the end of the day like I remember being a kid and it was like Hogan Warrior that was right there and nobody was on that level but Macho Man like it was like right there and he generated so much buzz when they were going to wrestle each other that he deserves a lot of credit for that. He really does. And to still, like, all of his action figures are popular. And if you want to go and, like, look at values, there's some really expensive ones. And not everybody can do that. You know what I mean? So... If, if you're talking about 90s wrestling, it's impossible not to talk about the Ultimate Warrior. Like, But I do think that he was really one of the first guys that broke kayfabe so bad in such a negative way that we had never seen something that was just like this immortal hero of our childhood kind of come out as just like this bitter psychotic man that would just like rant and talk trash about everybody and like just be obsessed with getting paid and like he just he literally was like night and day like so that will always be like uh I'm gonna say he's very it's a very interesting story because it, it, he was everybody's, like, favorite. He was 1A to 1B. Like, if you liked Hogan, you more than likely liked Warrior also. So it's just a weird thing. I will say, though, I thought the footage they had was incredible. Like, to see him cut promos, stop in the middle, and, like, Vince give him instructions and stuff. Like, you want to talk about breaking down the wall. And really right. letting people in. Like, I'd never seen, like, the footage where he had to apologize to that kid, I had never seen that. I thought that was wild. Yeah, I hadn't seen any of that either. 
And yeah, I mean, he was really struggling with that. Like he messed up multiple times and it was like, Vince was just kind of like, come on, you can do this. Like walking him through, you know, and he's like, that's great, Jim, you know? Yeah. So, and then they had the letters that they wrote to each other. Like there was some deep stuff in there that I'd never seen before. Yeah. Yeah. That, that side of it was pretty cool. And then also to your point about, you know, people thinking he wasn't a good wrestler and stuff. I think he was fine for the time, the time period for sure. Yeah. You know, if anybody who, <laughs> who looks back at like wrestling in the nineties, like the late eighties, early nineties and stuff. If, if you look at Hulk Hogan, like that's really as far as anyone needs to look, uh, look as far as like, he was the most over guy in the whole thing. And he, and of course it was because of who he was, but like punches, kicks, big boot, leg drop, that's it. Like he didn't do anything. Like he did hardly, hardly did anything in the ring. And like Ultimate Warrior, very very similar. Like punches, kicks, did his little warrior shake thing, and yep. they, and his thing was the splash. Like Hogan was the leg drop, he was the splash. It was basically the same yep. thing. I mean, it's very uh, very simple. Um, and he was a larger than life character. So uh, I I view him as like the Godfather of intensity. Like he set the standard for someone like a Goldberg, like just insane adrenaline rush match might've been five minutes, but like the crowd was completely into it. And he was just like, so creative with his promos, his face paint, like the colors, all that stuff. Like, I think he deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. Yeah, and it's good to see, you know, people be able to form their own opinions and stuff based on what they see in these documentaries and stuff. And I hope I hope at the very least people go back and watch his WrestleMania six match with Hogan just to see what people like what everyone's talking about. Like if you want if you want like peak Ultimate Warrior, check out WrestleMania six and watch and listen to the reaction of like the crowd when it's happening. Like half the places for Hogan, half the places for Warrior, like it's they're just mirroring each other, going back and forth, and it's it's exactly what you would expect. I, I imagine this man wanted in his head. He's like, we're trying to find a new Hogan. We're gonna put like the old Hogan versus the new Hogan. He's gonna prove that he can out Hogan Hogan, basically, and then we're gonna have our next guy. Um, and it just yeah. didn't pan out that way, unfortunately. But they tried. So also, I I highly recommend WrestleMania Seven Macho Man Ultimate Warrior career ending match. It goes pretty long. So for all those people that say like Warrior couldn't go and all that, like it's it's a very entertaining, good match that I could still watch to this day and enjoy. So I definitely recommend that one as well. Is that the one where Warrior kicks out of like multiple elbow drops? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then Elizabeth comes in after Sherry Martell turns on the Macho King. Right. And then she saves him, and the crowd goes crazy. Slaughter right. and Hogan, the whole nine. Great right. WrestleMania. Nice. This, this super chat is actually from my brother. I was wondering so, if the last name happened to be a... Uh, yeah, apparently, he's sending in a couple of them. So. Thank you, Drew. How would you have booked WCW after Starcade 97? It's interesting. And I'll say this for a little quick tidbit. Like, uh, the reason that Bill and I were able to watch every WCW pay-per-view from, like, 96 to, like, 98 is because of my brother. My brother had a job. We didn't. 
but he paid for all the pay-per-views. So nice. shout that's, out to Drew for that. That's awesome. Um, I mean, it's very tough because the whole thing was built on Sting and Hogan. And like, right. that's really the fall of everything, right? Because after that, where do you go from there? Like you peaked. Well, it should so, have been, it should have been Bret Hart, like red hot Bret Hart coming from WWF to yeah. WCW is what it should have been, but they screwed that up also. But so. is Bret heel? Is Bret facing Sting? You would have to figure out a way of, uh, I mean, but like that, I'm just starting to think logically as far as like what was happening at the time. Cause like you need like Sting, and that was part of it too. They messed up the finish where like the slow count wasn't slow and all that stuff. Like Sting should have yeah. just won clean. Like everyone agrees there. But then the other layer to it was like, because Bret Hart was the referee, and it's like we don't want to see what made it so confusing. Was like it almost made Hogan a face because he clearly beat Sting because the count was not slow, and then or fast, and then Bret comes out and throws a fit about how that was a fast count, and it wasn't. So then it looks like Brett is like this over paranoid heel and Hogan right. was the face that just won. And then he just robbed Hogan of the win. So, I mean, it was a total disaster. I have no idea how they decided that was the best idea. And Bischoff claiming because of Sting's condition is a total cop out to me. Like that was not the best thing you could do. And it was, I could argue it's the greatest build-up feud in the history of pro wrestling. And that match just didn't do it. Now, granted, I don't think those guys were ever going to have a great match. But I still think you could have came up with a way better finish. Yeah, for sure. And that that definitely was the best build-up for any wrestling match ever. That entire Incredible. year of Sting not really talking and the rafters and handing his enemies baseball bats and, like, his former friends and turning his back on him and seeing who would swing and who wouldn't. Like, I mean, it was... And the NWO just, yeah. like, taking over and then Sting comes down from the rafters and the place is just going ballistic, like... You see sodas up in the air. You see people just going crazy. Like, so it was I unbelievable. Would, I would say maybe if I was booking it, maybe you, I had to think about it, but maybe you, the, the best option would have been Sting wins, Hart, like, Hart takes over the NWO. Like, Hogan loses and, and vanishes, and Hart takes over the NWO. And then you got Sting and Hogan still, sorry, Sting and Hart. But then you would have to get Hogan to get that leadership back from the NWO when he came back because you still got to get to Hogan and Goldberg because, like, you never, you don't want that to never have happened. So, like, yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to do this like revisionist style. But, um, it, I guess to answer Drew's question, that's it would have been a heel like you were saying too. It would have been a for me a heel Bret Hart and a babyface Sting as the champion, and then go from there. But. I would but, go with the heel Bret Hart, but I would automatically just make him the number one contender. I would I would use Bret as the current WWE champion because Vince McMahon screwed him, and we all know that he never tapped out. So technically, he's still the champ, so he's the number one contender, and then he would face Sting. And then 
Hogan would blame the NWO for losing, and then that would kind of be the start of the breakup of the NWO because it couldn't go on forever. Yeah. What would have been smart, too, is if they would have just, like, if they could have, like, reconsolidated the NWO at that point, too. Like, rather than it being so many people and all the options and stuff. Yeah, like, go back to, like, Hall Nash Hogan and, like, maybe a couple others, but, like, keep it a... And like, and then cool. maybe some of the people who came over from WWF after or something, like you bring them in and like some buzz. But like, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you though. I mean, the really at the end of the day, I think every wrestling fan can agree. No matter if you were a Hogan fan, a Sting fan, whatever, Sting should have just won that that match clean. Like that. That's really like you said. That's that's where a lot of the problems lie going forward. After that, is that they. Yep. They screwed that up. And, and then, then they, they also rematches. Yeah. It's like, it just, they, 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 they never, and like even Bischoff said, they never had like a Pat Patterson. They never had a guy that would just be able to give you finishes and make you feel like, okay, that's done on to something else. It was always like, let's continue this to the nitro and then the next pay-per-view and the next pay-per-view. And it was always interferences. There was like not a lot of clean finishes. Like it, you know, another thing that I probably would have done is if you were still going to keep the NWO big, I'd have probably kicked out a bunch of old guys. And then the NWO goes like on a recruitment thing and like sees a guy like Jericho or something like that. And then bring those guys in. Well, see, and also that's part of why, like, I think they botched the Bret Hart thing so bad too, because they they killed a lot of his momentum like right off the bat when he came into the company. And big time. And imagine like if he was the champion and he was still pretty much in his prime, and you know we have to assume uninjured and all that stuff, right? But imagine if he was the champion and he could have been the guy to go to WCW management and been like. I want to wrestle Jericho. I want to wrestle Benoit. I want to wrestle Malenko. I want to wrestle, like, and those are the guys getting world title shots against Bret Hart. Like those yeah. matches would have been incredible. And you would have had a way to actually elevate all these guys who wound up eventually leaving for the WWF because they were yeah. stuck in the mid card or the, the opening segments and stuff. So it's like Bret could have been that guy to elevate all of the cruiserweights up to that level. And they didn't get any of that. So. And then imagine if they actually were able to stay in business, they were going to get Rob Van Dam. Like they were going to get him. And I feel like if he's headlining the show and they were actually focused on having great matches, like he might've been able to carry that company. Yeah, dude. RVD versus Kidman would have been so sick. Like there's a lot of them, but that's like, like Kidman was my guy. Like I thought I, I loved how they actually gave him a push towards the end, but it was like way too late in so this weird, but, but he was so hard to accept, but he was so good. Like when he was in the, no, he was good. like there was a pay-per-view, I think it was like in 1998. I can't remember what show it was, but I remember there was one pay-per-view where Kidman wrestled three matches and it wasn't just like a couple short matches. He wrestled like three full on matches and they were all really good. And, like, he was always over, whether he was the Cruiserweight champion or he was in a tag team with Rey Mysterio. He always had cool music. He was the only one doing the shooting star press, even though he kind of didn't hit it all the time. But, like, it was, time, fun, yeah. it was fun to watch. Like, dude, I was really, really big on Kidman. Um, but, uh, 
but yeah, like RVD, like imagine the matches he would have against all those cruiserweights, Kidman and all those guys. I mean, man. God, if they had got him before the Goldberg Bret Hart match, and they actually like had a pay per view RVD versus Bret Hart, <laughs> nuts. Yeah, I think the buy rate would have been beautiful because yeah. your diehard wrestling fans, even your hardcore ECW fans, is not turning down that match. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Man, good question. Man, fantasy fantasy booking is fun. It's definitely fun. Yeah, it's a gigantic waste of time, but it is fun. It is fun it's to go to that rabbit hole. And uh, yeah, I saw Drew with another go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, another. Super so chat. Drew's Thank a you. big Ultimate Warrior fan. So he, he wants to know: Should Warrior be considered with Hogan, Rock, Austin, Shawn Michaels? No, no. Uh, I think I think he's one of those guys that like. He captures an era, right? So that 90s era, the Hogan Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, Psycho Sid, like, type of era. Like, that's where he fits. So if you were to put, like, a Mount Rushmore of the WWE when it was, like, 90 to 93 or something, like, he's up there. But... Overall, no. Yeah, it would all. It almost be like if you had a Mount Rushmore of like of people who were super mega over for a very short amount of time. Like if you yeah. had like a Mount Rushmore of like Ultimate Warrior, Goldberg, like Daniel Bryan, almost to a degree. Like just like a year of just being just the top guy. Like whether the company liked it or not. Like that was that was your dude. Like I mean. Obviously, Dana Bryan's a much better worker than the other two, but the, the point the point is, yeah, you can't put Warrior on that same list as Hogan, Rock, Austin, and Michaels, and a lot of it just has to do with longevity too. I mean, he just he just wasn't yeah. around for very long, but he is like he he. No one can ever take away the fact that he is the guy that Vince tried to make the next Hulk Hogan. Like he was trying to make Hulk Hogan successor out of Ultimate Warrior, and I mean, not many people get that opportunity, so. Man, not to be a Debbie Downer, but like, have you ever heard Deborah talk about her and Stone Cold? Like, like about their marriage or like him beating her up? Like, I know that she, I know that that was a thing back in like the early two thousand. Like, she'll give you details. She'll talk about how he like hit her in the back of the head, punched her in the back of the head, punched her multiple times, slapped her in the face, like. And he's never really denied it. He's just kind of on the side. And see, that's where it's like I have such a difficult time with cancel culture because it picks and chooses. Right. Like, he's almost untouchable at this point. Like, if he does something now, then, yeah, they would go after him. But it's almost like the past is just wash your hands, no big deal. There's yeah. going to be certain people that will be upset about it. But like just the the A and E documentary, they don't touch that stuff at all, and it happened. So, yeah, yeah, it is interesting the like kind of the picking and choosing because you even had you know a couple of years ago, I remember Randy Orton like clips surfaced of him dropping the N bomb, and it wasn't he wasn't like maliciously using it, but he was like yeah. he shouldn't have been saying it at all, and right. you know it's like 
But then there was people coming out like who were who were black and stuff, and just being like, "We really don't care what Randy Orton's saying. Like, we're, we like Randy. Like, we, they were just like, we don't care." You know, I'm sure there there definitely were people who did care, but it just kind of just got brushed out. You know what I mean? Like, it, no, yep. it didn't. And there, it just didn't become a thing. It really depends on who you offend and who grabs onto it, and if a mob takes it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not just about the action sometimes it's about yeah. who finds it it's yeah it's interesting because i have seen that happen to austin like on twitter before but it doesn't it yeah. never becomes like a big thing every now and then i'll see someone like i won't name any names but there's someone i know who tweeted about steve austin well actually this person was tweeting about someone that they wanted canceled basically from wrestling and that had done yeah. something very similar to what Steve Austin had done. And then they found a picture of this person wearing Steve Austin merchandise. And then this person was saying, well, I didn't know, like you expect me to know everything about all these wrestlers. Like, I'm just like, I'm, I didn't know that about Steve Austin, but now that I do, I'm not a fan of his. Like if he was beating women, I just didn't know that. It's like, that's, it's, it's interesting. It's because now that person well, is no me, longer a Steve Austin fan, but like they don't even they know. Character? Are they a character? And if that that man's name is Steve Williams, that's not Stone Cold Steve Austin. So if you have a Stone Cold Steve Austin T-shirt, that doesn't mean that you're a fan of what Steve Williams did. And same thing with like Ultimate Warrior, right? That's Jim Helwig. But like, if I have an Ultimate Warrior T-shirt, it is simply just because I was a fan of him as a kid. Like, it's nostalgia. That's it. Same thing with like Hulk Hogan, like Macho Man, all those. Like it's the character that they played that I remember as a kid. And so it, it's a it's a touchy subject if you're gonna do like canceling these guys' careers based on what they did in their real life and not as the character. You know what I mean? Yeah, as long as like it isn't Chris Benoit, like that's the one. Yeah, where, like, like I mean, you can't support that's that. That's a little but, extreme. But I'm just saying, like that's. But well, here's a good example, like in movies and stuff. You know, like Kevin Spacey, for example. I don't know a whole lot about a lot of actors and stuff, but I heard about that whole thing about him like grabbing dudes' junk and like all this stuff, like sexual harassment. And have you heard of the latest on him? I saw something about how he's going to be playing a character in a movie about like about like stopping sexual abuse or something I, I don't know. as a cop right but my and my it, point but my point the is hypocrisy like hypocrisy of it is right insane but it's like you know so i don't know it's just it's just interesting to think about like how many people don't watch 21 like they like the movie but they don't watch it anymore or how many people still do and they just justify it in their own mind but those same people might not want to watch uh matt riddle because they think matt riddle did something that right. hasn't been proven but he might right. have but we might not have you know like it's just it's, once again it's just picking and choosing like well it's like kevin spacey like nothing's ever happened in court he's never faced prison charges it's just he has this reputation from multiple witnesses that say that he did this i believe them so i'm not saying that but it, it just a bit like the cancellation thing. It's, it's just, it's really blurry. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know what to say. My, my personal opinion, let him make this movie, let it tank in the ground. 
and then nobody just is going to keep bringing him back if he's not successful. Right. Let, the let, them, the let the market decide. Right. Let people know what he did or what he's accused of. And if you still choose to support him, then it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Kogan with another super chat. Thank you, Kogan. In honor of what would have been the 20th anniversary, how would you guys have booked WCW The Big Bang in May of 2001 to fix the direction of their company? That's a tough one. I would have to really think about I know. I, I know for those of you who are watching or listening that might not know what Kogan's talking about, The Big Bang was a pay-per-view that was planned by Eric Bischoff when he was basically going to relaunch WCW with his new investment group and stuff. And there was like a ad in a newspaper or something advertising uh, this big bang pay-per-view is going to be this big WCW relaunch. Um, but as far as like how would a book, I'm trying to think of their roster. Well, like who was still there? They were really oh, heavily. You said you got a great memory. Who was all there like that we could book? Well, so they I, were- Booker T, right? So, so they were really heavily, heavily going with like new talent too. So yeah. they had just brought in guys like Kid Cash and Jason Jett, who was uh, Easy Money on ECW. Yeah, Lance Storm. Lance Storm had like all these different titles. Yeah. Um, they had AJ with, Styles. AJ Styles and uh, I mean and, AJ Chip. Yeah, yeah, Air Air Paris. Yeah. Um, uh, Kidman was getting a big push towards the end. Ray was always big with them, uh, with or without yeah. the mask. Um, who else did they still like have? So many guys were gone. One and some of them, like Savage, was like under contract but hadn't been on TV in in like months. Same thing with like DDP, Sting like, too. Nash, like he was a staying lot at home. Them. But like half the people who did the last Nitro like hadn't been on the show for a while because they were like mm-hmm. on, at odds with the company. Um, Flair was the same way. Him and Sting, both of them, like hadn't been Hogan. on the show. Yeah, Hogan, Hogan had walked out of the company after the the lane Bash the down for Jarrett thing, or Jarrett laying down for him rather. Booker T, Booker T. I'd say probably the biggest stars that they had were Booker T and Scott Steiner. Probably like actually Booker would like, have been my champion for sure. Yeah, Booker would have been the champ as well. I was definitely over Jeff Jarrett at that point. Oh yeah. Um, Bret Hart was injured. Yep. Goldberg, I think, was still with the company, but they were they had like teetered with him as a heel and stuff, and it didn't work. That was bad. Yeah. Um, trying to think of who else they could have really. They were doing. There were talks of. Was that true? There were talks of Joey Styles and Lawyer and Lawler were going to be the announcers. I have heard. I have heard the Joey Styles thing. I don't think I've heard Lawler. Um. Okay. okay. Here we go. Okay. They had really screwed up Mike Awesome though by that time. Yeah, he was um, the fat chick thriller or whatever, right? You know, what was a was a kind of an underrated group was the Jersey Triad. Um, we had Bigelow, DDP, and Canyon as a group. I like them. Yeah. Yeah, um, I remember that a little bit. The you got to keep in mind, though, at this point, I'm all WWE. Right. Like, I've, I've left. And I've I've said still, bye. I've still got a foot in because, like, I was never yeah. going to completely give up on WCW, but I, at this point, I recognized WWF was a much better show. Um, yeah. The Cruiserweight Tag Team titles were pretty worthless, but there was a lot of good talent in that mix. Um, so, like, you had those guys. Like, Elix Skipper and Kid Romeo were really good. Um, yeah. I mean, Elix Skipper, Skipper wound up being great in TNA. 
Yeah. Um, Christopher Daniels landed on his head. Uh, botch every now and then, but you know. Yeah. So the same with Christopher Daniels landed on his head on night. What's funny is is a lot of it kind of happened in TNA, like the Triple X and yeah. um, stuff like that. Jarrett being champion, like that's probably the direction that they would have ended up going. Kogan mentioned Chuck Palumbo. You had all those guys too: Palumbo, O'Hare, Jindrak. Yeah, um, Mike Sanders was like a good mouthpiece, but he wasn't he wasn't very good in the ring. But all the natural born uh, thrillers, all those guys, those were that was that whole group of guys I was talking about last week that I was like, had they not been the the people for Team WCW and they just went straight to developmental while the actual WCW stars fought the actual WWF stars, you could have had Jindrak, O'Hare, Palumbo, and those guys be introduced after the invasion and could have actually had good careers potentially. Uh, Vampiro. Yeah. Shane Helms was killing it at the time. That's a good, that's yeah. a really good one. The vertebraker was like my favorite move at that point. I mean, honestly, to me, matches weren't important, important that back then it's like the direction, like not being so crazy and clogged and all over the place. Like I think simplicity would have been, a big key just these guys are fighting this is the reason tune in like no more bs like that's probably the way i would have promoted it like we're, we set up an awesome card with the best talent that we have and this is going to be like our changing of a new direction or whatever you know yeah yeah i'm with you i mean that would have debuted rob van damme there you go. Bring an RVD. That would have been huge. Yeah, it's a... Uh, yeah, so ECW would have been out of business right there, so I would have cleaned out that roster, had some guys. I I think you could definitely have a pay-per-view where after it's over, everybody would feel good about the future of WCW. I mean, if you had access to the ECW guys, that opens up a lot. Because, like I said, they brought in Kid Cash. I remember that. Um, and Jason Jett, who wasn't – I think he was easy, easy Money in ECW. And they were giving him a little push. Crazy and Rey Mysterio. Dude, like, like, you could do – Tajiri, that would have been huge. Rhino. Um, right, Rhino would be available at that point. Yeah. I mean, even Just Incredible was, like, really popular at the time. Yeah. I mean, like, they had – Sabu, people wanted, would have wanted to see. Storm, you yeah. Know? yeah, and yeah, Lance Storm, I mean, he got a huge push with WCW initially. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very hard to sit here and put a card together, but I think the kind of the gist of it is towards the top, you would have Booker T as either the champion or fighting for the title. The other person that makes is probably going to be like a Scott Stein. So you, there was only so many like established actual main eventers left. Um, right. And Steiner, people crap on Scott Steiner a lot. Like, Scott Steiner was good as far as I'm concerned. Like, he was nuts, and he was pumped full of steroids, and that was obvious. But, like, the dude, when that dude debuted in the WWF, he was the most over guy in the company the night he debuted. Like, that place was going nuts. Like, <sighs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I was pumped for it, but that Royal Rumble match with Triple, Triple H, H was a stinker. It was terrible. Oh, he was falling over doing his own moves and stuff. Yeah, oh. I, I but like it but, was over at that point. Right. But, but he was, but he, but up until then, like he was, he was good to go, but it was like, that oh, was the yeah. turning point. 
Like I remember yeah. when they signed him, they broke the news on WWE.com. Like I was just like on the internet and I saw it and I was like, oh, <laughs> you know? And yeah. then he debuted at Survivor Series and he's like, give me the FN mic. And it was just like, yeah. And then he was going to wrestle Triple H, like dream match. Yes. And they did all those like pose downs and they built it up. And oh my God, was that bad. But then Benoit and Angle like have one of the greatest matches ever. And so you you were like on a high note. But you were so down when that match started. (sighs) I remember Benoit and Angle started and I was just like, oh boy. All right. And then after it was over, Ben was getting a standing ovation from the crowd. After losing. Like, yeah. Ah! yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the Saturn thing, too. Like, I remember because that whole story was, was he going to sign with Raw or SmackDown? And Bischoff and Stephanie were fighting over him. And then they went straight from the Triple H thing to, like, him and Chris Nowitzki, and it was like, oh, okay, Steiner's a jobber mid-carder now. Like, that that was Well, I knew it was bad when you get, like, the main event of Royal Rumble and No Way Out uh, for that brand, and then you're not even on Mania. Oh, right. Oh, oh, yeah, he's done. Because then he was, like, Tie team with Tess and Stacey Hebler was their man. I was at stuff. the Bad Blood where he did the dive and he oh, fell was flat the, on his face. That is a Botchamania oh. classic. Oh That's, my god! He, Watch that, and I was like. Oh, for those of you who don't know, what we're talking about y'all gotta watch it. Like Scott Steiner is on the ring apron, and Tess like isn't that far away from him on the outside, and Steiner jumps at him, and and is he's like a solid four or five feet short of where he's trying to jump. He just misses Tess completely, so bad. That's oh funny. my god, good stuff. Wow, long live WCW. All right. RIP. So let's get into this Will Osprey stuff. I did notice that he posted a picture of an x-ray and it had like a frowny face, but I feel like he's still being really cryptic. Like he's really not giving a lot away, but I really feel like this new Japan story could like, it could kind of change the business. Like sometimes in new Japan, these guys are only on one year deals and all the contracts expire in January. If you are an American and you have to travel to Japan, I feel like a lot of guys are not going to go back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how this plays out because a lot of the speculation too is that Osprey is going to sign with NXT UK. And I'm like, I saw that and I'm, I'm like, like, why would he, he why would he want to so do that? against the WWE. So, yeah. like, for him to be there, he has to be so fed up with New Japan. Or they're like, just offering him so much money. But but I just don't see that happening. I don't, I don't think, think that's WWE, enough. Yeah, I don't think like, that – yeah. But his his girlfriend is going there. So that's the only thing that makes me feel that. like that that kind of opened the door. She going but to NXT man, UK? Yes. Hmm. And I feel like he has left Japan, not to visit, but like he's he's supposedly moved to Japan. And I feel like he's done. He's not living there anymore. 
and he moved back to the UK. And I I just don't know, man. Like, I don't think the the injury is the reason why he was stripped. I really don't. I feel like that he had a disagreement. I feel like that New Japan promised those guys that they could go home because they canceled the shows. And then last minute, they were like, hey, never mind. We're going to do these small shows instead. And he was just like, no, I'm going home. Right. Like, I'm done. And they're like, no, you're not. And then he's like, I'm leaving. So then they just stripped him of the title. Well, they didn't want a Brock Lesnar scenario where he just never showed back up with the belt. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I We need to figure out more about the situation. Because I saw the picture. It looked like he was showing a neck injury, which yeah. was what the, all these reports were about. But it's, I mean, that, that could have been from a couple of years ago. You right. know what yeah, I mean? Never, like, yeah, you said, it, just, it just seems cryptic. Like, well, why it, isn't he talking more about it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I just, I don't care if his girlfriend be, be Priestley, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't care if, if she's going to NXT UK, like Will Ospreay, that's dude, that's career suicide to go to NXT UK if you're him. Like, I like, agree. like NXT UK. And here's the thing. They have a good roster and they have a good show. I cover it weekly for the fight for weekender. Like I, I pay attention to NXT UK. They have a lot of great talent. Like a kid's really good. Tyler Bates really good. Uh, Elia Dragunov is really good. Of course, Walter's really good. Rampage Brown is really good. Ben Carter's really good. Like they have a lot of really good talent. But unless you're paying attention, you have no idea, and it has nothing to do with Raw, SmackDown, or NXT on a USA. So, like, if you're Will Ospreay and you are the champion of New Japan, and you're considered still to this day like one of the most entertaining guys in the world in the ring. Why in the world would you sign with NXT UK? Like that just sounds like such a bad idea. Um, I'm with you. So I just don't believe it to be honest that he would have signed there. Now, well, and who's to say Japan's just going to be like, yeah, you can go to NXT UK? Well, that's right? going to be a whole thing too. Like he'd have to get out of his contract and the whole. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's not as easy as right. So I I I don't know. I it's but I will say this like New Japan. They got to figure something out soon with a lot of what they're doing because that's what's so crazy to me is like I feel like their company's in jeopardy due to COVID. Like I think that they might not recover from this. Like they're canceling shows, they're losing talent. Okada just tested positive. Like there's only so much that you can miss. You know what I mean? Yeah, and well, and their titles aren't the as bus? yeah, their titles you know? don't have the same kind of prestige they used to, and it's it's a whole and that's the other thing too. If all their foreign talent wants to either leave or stops resigning and stuff, there's only so many times you can do Okada, Tanahashi, like yep. Jay White's not going to be there forever. He's probably has the same issues all these other guys do. Like he's probably oh, waiting to because he's a guy like he lives guy? in Florida, right? I think so. And if not, totally like not. that's what I heard. He lives in Florida. But even if he wasn't, like he'd still be based in the UK at the very least, which is like that's not like, Japan. Kenta lives in Florida. Jay White lives in Florida. Let's say that the the Gorillas of Destiny live in Florida. Like there's a lot of guys. Uh, 
apparently um, Fit Finley's kid, he's upset. He doesn't want to resign. Dave. Like, there's a lot of guys that they could lose that would really hurt their company. I mean, there you you can only do evil and Naito and right. like to me, get that Sonata train started because you're gonna need somebody that's, new. That's a train they should have started like five years ago. Like that's yeah, you know. That's part of what New Japan does too. Like part of what makes them, we used to make them so great was like the slow burn and like waiting for your favorites to finally break through because it was so hard to break through into the the title mix. But now it's like, <clears throat> now it's like I'm almost like don't care if Sonata gets a push because I've seen him so long at this point. Anyways, now where it's like yeah. it's not really anything new or exciting for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I hope I hope New Japan figures it out because I think they're a great company. But there's all these other options now too. Like, I mean, if you can go to AEW and not have to leave the United States, let's just say hypothetically, if Will Ospreay is a free agent and you're AEW, I mean, what are you offering him? Like, I'm giving him a deal that there's no way he can turn down. Like, to to bring that guy in and to have Kenny Omega on the same roster, oh. Like yeah. that's that's business changing to me. Yeah, and you don't even have to really negotiate. You can literally just point at the WWE and say, "You can come here to AEW and you know be creatively fulfilled and like be and, and become the wrestler you always wanted to be your whole life, or you can go over there and roll the dice and hope that you know in a few years from now you don't regret not coming here." Because, because that's all they're at this point. Most of the guys that are signed with the WWE are doing it. I mean, it's for the money, obviously, but they're going there literally. I, I can't speak for everybody, but like I know specifically a few people that I've, I've either talked to personally or know people that have told me this that are very close to them. Like, there are yeah. literally people making decisions. I've talked about with deathmatch wrestling as well. There's people making decisions right now of like, okay, I'm going to sign with the WWE, I'm going to bite the bullet for three years. I know my career is probably going to suck for the next three years, but I'm going to make more money than I've ever made in wrestling. And then hopefully they don't kill my credibility to the point where I can't make more money and go do it somewhere else afterwards. But there, that's what the compromise is now. It's not what the WWE is like, your career is going to suck and they're going to ruin everything that was ever good about you as a wrestler, but you're going to be financially secure to a level you've never been before. So it's, it's a tough decision for a lot of people to make. This is what it is. But if you're Will Ospreay, like, that's the decision you have to make. Like, you can decide. Like, do you want to go to AEW? Do you want to go to the WWE? I, I think that it's pretty clear you wouldn't want to go to the WWE. If, you, hey, look, if you're him, just, just literally just point at Ricochet and be like, you want to be like this, dude? Yeah. Because that's what you'd be. So, yeah. you know. And I'm sure Ricochet would be like, oh, come here, Will. Like, no, dude. Yeah. Nice Which is like, you. and it's so funny, too, because it's like, you know, Chuck Taylor trained Ricochet and you got, you got Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy and all these guys, they look like they're having the time of their life at AEW. Yeah. And like these guys are in their friends and the people they train with are like, like Drew Gulak has got to be like, why did I resign? Like I was yeah. so dumb. Like I could have, like I could have been with Orange Cassidy and, 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 and Trent and Chuck and my friends and have good matches and enjoy my life. But instead I'm just, this jobber that no one cares yep. about. Like, uh, yep. yeah, it's wild. yeah, it's wild. 
But yeah, so hopefully things work out. If you're a fan of uh, New Japan, you definitely need to be a little nervous right now. I canceled my New Japan subscription just because I don't feel like anything worthy is going to happen for a while. Not January, and January, just I, ten bucks and watch Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, I don't know. Not, well, I mean, Osprey was champ, so to me, it was like everything was can't miss. Right, and now it's like. Even if Osprey comes back, I don't think he'll be champion for a long time. So it's just weird to me because, like, Osprey lived and died for that company. Loved yeah. New Japan. Always talked great about it. For him to be at the point to where he's just like, I don't ever, I don't want to be here. I'm moving. I'm staying in the UK for rehab. Like, I don't know, man. Something seems really off. And I feel like as the weeks go by, we're going to find out more and more. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it all plays out. Another, Another super, super chat. Thank you. Uh, from Brandon. I appreciate it. Uh, what were some of your guys' favorite crowd pops of old time, uh, old and new? Some of mine were Rock, Triple H at Backlash 2000, Bucks versus Kenny Page in Chicago. Um, I mean, the number one pop to me is when Triple H came back uh, to Madison Square Garden from the injury. That was such it's a, a beautiful loud pop. day. Oh man, <laughs> all that like there, there never had been like where everything was so like not perfect, but like it, it, it literally was like your ultimate wrestling federation when it came to talent. You know, you had WCW, ECW, WWE, but there was one guy that was missing. And when he came back, it was like the biggest fulfillment. And the fans were so excited to have him back. So that was definitely one. I'll tell you another one that's big is – uh when Stone Cold comes out to help Mick Foley win the title for the first oh, time, right? His place side. goes absolutely ballistic. Yeah, um, Goldberg beating Hollywood Hogan. That place was like forty eight thousand, and it was down. just crazy. Yeah, what are some my, yours? My my, it's probably it's honestly probably my favorite moment in Raw history, and I'm a little biased, but. Um, Jericho's WWF debut when the rocks in yeah. the ring. I mean, when yeah, that, when great. his name pops up on the screen and breaks yep. away as Jericho, that place goes nuts. Um, uh, you know, I was there live for this one too. When, uh, when the Hardys returned at WrestleMania 33 in Orlando, that place was going insane. Um, cause they had just wrestled the young bucks and ring of honor the night before. So like, I really didn't expect to see them on the show. And like, that was and everyone thought the new day was going to be entering themselves into the match, and it turned out to be the Hardys. Like that was, that was wild. I was also live at WrestleMania 30 to see the Daniel Bryan title win, and that was like another one that's just just so huge. That's huh. one of my biggest regrets. Like <laughs> it's six hours from my house. Like I could have gone, and we just didn't do it. Like man. Also, that was also one of the biggest, like, opposite not pops of the shock of when Taker's streak was ended. Like, yeah, that was oof. that you're never going to get that moment in wrestling again. 
another uh, another great one. AJ debuting at the Rumble. Yeah, yeah, that's or Brock coming back to the WWE. John Cena, that, fine, yep. fine, John Cena, yeah, that was huge. Or when the Rock surprise showed up in LA, like when he came back officially. People thought and it was going to be Justin people, Bieber. Yeah. And people didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, some non-WWF ones. Like, I love – we were talking about this is uh, when uh, Kenny fired Adam Cole. Like, oh, yeah, Ring of Honor. Marty yeah. showed up on the side, and everything – everyone has a villain. And it was like <laughs> – <laughs> Um, you mentioned uh, Gold, Goldberg and Hogan. I would also throw in Luger and Hogan when uh, Luger uh, actually beat Hogan on Nitro at the Torture Rack. He was the first yeah. person to like actually win against the NWO, like in any way, shape, or form. So, um, so I remember that being a real that that was a pivotal moment of my childhood as a fan was watching Luger win that title from Hogan. Um, Moxley debut at AW uh, where. Uh, Ultimate Warrior answered Rick Rude's challenge. Yeah, I mean that's that's a big one. There was a big massive pop for that. So yeah, yeah, I love pops. Like I I can go back and like literally will just rewatch pops of crowds. Like it's it changes everything, and that's why I am looking so much forward to Double or Nothing. Like. It looks like it's going to be very close to a sellout, and man, I just feel like it's going to be amazing. I, there, we'll get into it in the in the future video. We're going to do a in depth preview on that, so I think everybody will really enjoy that. But super looking forward to that, and it's almost like June is a month off, like July. Everything just explodes, like. From boxing, from WWE, from uh, AEW, all of it. We got some good UFC fights next month, but yeah. Um, but then it pops off even more the next the month after because Connor comes back, Connor and Dustin. But like this next month, I, just because I was tweeting about it earlier, this month <laughs> in June, some of the big fights for the UFC. We got Rosenstrike versus Sakai. Adesanya Vittori 2, Figueredo Marino 2, Edwards versus Nate Diaz, Korean Zombie versus Dan Ige, and Surreal Gon versus Alexander Volkov. I mean, those are all bangers. Um, Eduardo, I was there live actually for the Edge return in Atlanta. I think it was the 2011 Royal Rumble when he, he returned and he won. Um, that was a huge pop that night too when he came out. So those, yeah. those are some really good ones. Eduardo, do you live in Houston? Just wondering, because that's where that was. Yeah, there are some uh, good ones. Kogan, that's another good one, too. And Jericho beat Triple H for the for the WWF title, but then it got reversed. But, like, when he yeah. actually pinned him, that place went nuts. Brandon yeah. agrees with me about the Luger-Hogan uh, moment. Yeah, man, that was – I still remember watching it with – my friend Tom Jackson, who I haven't talked to in like 25 years at this point in my life, but like, what's up, watching, Tom? yeah, what's up, Tom Jackson? <laughs> if you happen to see this, um, wherever you're at nowadays, but uh, yeah, I still I still remember being in elementary school watching Nitro from it was like his bonus room at his at his house growing up, this like little room he had for video games and stuff, and we sat there glued to the TV and celebrated when 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 the NWO is defeated, and uh, so yeah, I, I 
I vividly remember that moment. It was that was awesome. Ron you know the, one of the funniest moments to me, and this guy, like you know, they talk about the fans in the Hall of Fame. I have no idea who this is. But the dude at Bash of the Beach that's in the white ECW shirt that is clapping the entire time that Hogan turned heel. He's some like fat guy with a beard, and he is having the time of his (laughs) life, and everybody else is just like depressed throwing garbage. And it's like, you fans can stick it, brother. And he's like, yeah. Roast me, roast me. Yeah, I, th- whoever that guy is, like, shout out to you, dude. You were a smart mark back when you know there weren't a lot of us, I guess. But man, he loved every moment of that. I think it's badass that the WWF is actually, or WWE now That's is actually. Um, that was that was good. Undertaker coming back at Judgment Day 2000. That was when he came back as the the biker. That was the American badass. And he came out um, to eat the Limp Biscuit, right? No, that was Kid Rock. That one was it. Okay, yeah, American badass. But it was like short lived, and then yeah, Kid Rock. Yeah, and then it, and then it was rolling after Limp yeah. Biscuit. Yeah, but that's um, when he like debuted that gimmick. Yeah, he came out, and I remember because Shawn Michaels was the guest referee, too, and wound up DQing uh, The Rock, so Triple H wound up winning because of The Undertaker's interference. Yeah. Um, Yeah, still remember. Good times, good times. Um, So what did you think of Cody? What about him? Like his performance? Cody Rhodes. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, no, we're, we're moving on. Let's no. move on to UFC. I'm, I'm going to grab another drink real quick. And then, yeah, yeah uh, sure. We'll uh, move on to the UFC. Hell yeah. Sounds good. You guys want any more like and If you have any super chats, stuff, make sure to give a thumbs up and all that while I'm gone. Appreciate we'll talk that. about it. If you haven't done a thumbs up on the video, please do. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, that's a that's always a big one. That's a classic. How's the mic? You guys notice a difference? Sounds good. Anybody? <laughs> Who's excited for double or nothing? We're getting close to getting back to normal. Fans and the whole nine, like, uh, just seems like we were never going to get here, and we're really close. It's really exciting times. One hundred percent. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks for joining. And like I said, the super chats and stuff, they, they help me uh, get equipment like stuff like this, like to pay for StreamYard Premium, to try to give you guys the best show I can. So whenever you guys support it, I really appreciate it. Yeah, how many times is Impact, or I mean Dynamite getting preempted? Like I heard this Friday, and then I think next week, it's like a Friday again. 
Eduardo, you go into any shows in Texas? You go into any AEWs? You go into uh, Money in the Bank, uh, SmackDown? I almost had SmackDown. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I almost had SmackDown tickets. I mean, I had them. Like, if I wanted to pay for them, I, I was like six rows from the ring to see the entrance, but I didn't do it. There's just too much. I'm going to GCW on the 9th, and then I think like the 12th, I'm going to AEW in Austin, or the 14th, I think it is. And then the 21st, I'm going to AEW in Dallas. And then I would have to have gone to SmackDown that Friday on like the 16th. And I was like, now I'm done. Not just that. Like, there's just a lot of good stuff. MMA, boxing. Manny Pacquiao and Errol Spence is a fantastic fight. Like that is a gift of the from the boxing gods that I did not think we would get. So yeah, I don't know a whole lot about change SummerSlam's venue. So like that's big because they were gonna run Vegas that weekend. And then Manny Pacquiao and Earl Spence announced Vegas before they did. So now it's like, do you want that boxing fight to go on Saturday and then try to sell out that Raiders stadium on a Sunday with 60,000? That's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know a ton about Errol Spence, but like I like I know who he is, but I haven't really seen much of him. So when, when's, last time, it, when's the last time Manny fought? Two years ago, but he beat one of the top young guys in the world, Keith Thurman. He was right, one okay. of the top. If I would say if I could compare Earl Spence, like he's kind of the Khabib. Like, he is the best in the division. If it's not him, it's Terrence Crawford. Right. So, whatever. And Manny's going to go and fight the very best at age 42 after all those wars and everything. And if he beats him, man, like, that's a such a crazy story. And I think he has a shot. <laughs> yeah, I, I – I, I, I want to say Terrence Crawford might be fighting in Atlanta soon. If not him, it's it's the Javante Davis. I think he might be. Yep, soon. Tank. Yeah, um, that's maybe what. But I'm like July twenty fourth is Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. So like July, you have a big boxing fight. August, you have a big boxing fight with crowds the whole nine. So it's gonna. It's going to be awesome. Hell yeah. And thanks, y'all, for uh, the thumbs up. Since I walked away, there's like 10 more. So thank y'all. Awesome. You guys rule. Um, I, I, won't, I won't keep shilling that. You guys have done your part. If you haven't already, hit the thumbs up, and I won't bring it up anymore. Thank y'all so much. Um. So, yeah. So you guys see, yeah. Um, so I think Rob Font is – the short of it is I think Rob Ponch is a better fighter than Cody Garbrandt. Like he's just a better overall fighter. Um, I don't know. A bit more technical. 
way more technical. And he landed like it had to have been like three to one, if not four to one or so. I mean, they were was, saying like 117 significant strikes he landed, maybe more. Yeah, and that's a lot. I think he was only like eight or something away from Pewter Jan's record for the division, I think, which um, for like a one for one fight. Um, yeah, man. I, I mean, Rob Plant, he's a great fighter, and he really put himself in a good spot because you have um, – you got Marino well, – no, sorry, that's the other way. You have Sterling and Jan who are yep. going to be running it back because obviously they had the draw – or not the draw, but the controversy with the new. Yeah. So – and then right under that, you have Sandhagen and Dillashaw – and you have to imagine the winner of Dillashaw and Sanhagen will get the next title shot. So right. I would, so I, but I think Fonts put himself in a good spot where maybe he fights the win, sorry, the loser of Jan and Sterling. And if he can beat one of those two guys, he probably gets the next title shot. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, Sanhagen and Dillashaw is definitely uh, a big one to, to determine the title. I think Font and Jan is a really good stylistic matchup, and uh, I like that fight. I don't love Font versus Sterling. I think Sterling's a bad matchup for him. And the way that Cody was able to take him down at will at first. At the beginning, right. Like, I feel like if Cody really trained wrestling and focused on that as his priority – like, I think he might have beat him because he was offering no resistance. But then it's like as Cody got beat up and he didn't have the same strength, then he couldn't get him down anymore. But if he had, was in there with like a legit wrestler that really took advantage of that, I don't know. He needs to work on his takedown defense, in my opinion. <clears throat> yeah, he's got to figure out a lot of stuff. Uh well, sorry, uh, Garbrandt, that is. But Font, yeah, he's going to have trouble with, with like, high-level wrestlers if he can't yeah. if he can't stop the takedown. But, yeah, but I mean. Me, Cody looks like he is going out there. He's super confident. The moment things don't work the way that he thought they would, then it's like he goes into survival mode. Like, he's not necessarily – he just doesn't look confident. He looks like he – like the moment that he got hit with just a solid shot or a jab, he immediately retreats and not tries to engage. And before it was like, oh, you want to hit me? Let's go. Let's throw down, you know? And now, like, it doesn't look like the same guy that was like outperforming Dominic Cruz. You know what I mean? So, yeah, he really hasn't looked like that since, though. I mean, he had like no. that incredible, like, he had a great rise to the title and then had that amazing fight to win the title from Cruz and then what back-to-back losses to Dillashaw and yep. uh, he lost to Munoz. He beat a Sun Sal and now he's lost to, um, to font. So yep. <laughs> he's in a really tough spot. I mean, he was supposed to fight Figueredo for the flyweight title, but yeah, that ain't you happening. Know, no. And especially, I mean, obviously when Marino and Figueredo went to a draw, they, they got to run that back. So yeah, Garbrandt was just the odd man out. And and now, I mean, I could see him maybe moving down to flyweight just to give it a shot, but I don't think he should get an immediate title shot at this no. point. So 
I, dude, if if O'Malley wins, Cody and O'Malley like do that. Yeah, like, I was I fine that with that. A great fight. People said it was crazy like a year ago because that's what I was saying. Like a year ago was I wanted those yeah. two guys to fight. People were like, man, and and rightfully so. I mean, like, like Cody hadn't really, but you know, he hadn't really like fallen too much. But now it's at a point where like I really do question if he could beat O'Malley. You know? Yeah. Well, especially like if he gets in any danger, because I just feel like his mindset just switches. It's just like, oh, uh, uh, I can't get knocked out. You know what I mean? And then it's like he's kind of on retreat mode. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then also uh, on the show, Carla Esparza looked really good. I, I think she should probably get the next title shot against Rose because she's already beat her, you know, years ago at Tough. So, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that fight sells a ton of pay per views, but she's the number one contender, like at the end of the day. So it's nothing that I'm like super excited about. And I was super excited to see if, the other one could win. I don't remember her name. What is her name? Jaon. Jaon. Yeah, it's spelled with it's like it's like X A I. It's okay. very hard to say. It's She's a good striker, so I was hoping that she would win, and then possibly be her and Rose, or her and Joanna, or something like that. Yeah, but and she had the attitude that like everybody wants to take me down, but in the end, I always win. And Carla beat the crap out of her. I think when she cut her open and the round and the first round ended, she looked rattled. She looked like, what the hell just happened? And Carla just finished her off in the crucifix. And that was it. But Carla seems really confident. Like even in her post fight interviews, it was like, I want that fight, run that fight. You know what I mean? So I think she deserves a shot. <laughs> yeah, I think they should do that. They, they like, I think it's a great – that whole division is in a great spot because you can do Esparza and Nami Yunus because they yep. – Esparza beat Nami Yunus on the <laughs> Ultimate Fighter for the inaugural championship. And, and I wouldn't have it as the main event, but I'd have it as the co-main or maybe the third up if there's, like, a triple title fight card or something. But but Rose yeah. but Rose is – you know, she definitely has a lot of fans. And uh, – but then in the division – uh, they can never live up to the original, but I mean, why not run back Joanna and um, Wiley Zhang? Like that was an incredible fight, and the winner of that gets a title shot. Like they're both right there in the mix still. The fight makes sense to do again. It's just the expectations are going to be super high, especially because like, like I was there live at that one too, and that I mean, there's just no way they can do better than that a second time. But yeah, Swar- in, uh, I like her at one twenty five. But she can't. She hasn't been able to stay active, though. That's the problem with her. No, she would have already. I mean, Do you see the interview with Ariel? No, but I know she has dealt with cancer and so like I know she's like dealt with like serious, uh, serious, um, you know, illness and stuff. Yeah, but like she's she says she's ready medically. She's cleared. She's ready to go. And they talked to Dana about it. It sounds like Dana wants to give her like one fight, and then they'll put her in the title shot with. Because Valentina has nobody. So to me, 125 is is pretty perfect because yeah. they have nothing. I'd be fine with her even just getting an immediate shot, to be honest. Only only I, because she's so different you, than the others. That long of a layoff. No, I know. Like Valentina. But dude, I don't know. I, I know. But there also isn't anyone anyone at 125 that I think 
I could get excited. Like I could get excited for Tatiana and, and Shevchenko. I thought yeah, that Shevchenko would, would win, but Tatiana at least presents a totally different challenge well, like, than anyone else. Tatiana would. versus Lauren Murphy. And if she beats Lauren Murphy, then she gets Valentina. I'm fine with that, especially because Lauren Murphy's been overlooked for far too long as well, to, right. be, to be fair. Like, she deserves a chance. She just doesn't have any name value and has no buzz. I met her, it. dude. She's she's swole. She's she's solid. Well, she's a great fighter. Like, she arguably deserved a title shot already. It's just she, her, she just isn't a name that gets brought up, but she's quietly put together a really good resume. So Yeah. But, I mean – she can't beat Valentina. So that's that's the problem too is it's like it's not even even if these girls can get a little bit of buzz it's right. still like yeah you can't beat Valentina. So Well and also like Lauren Murphy probably would have got a shot if if when when Andrade came to the division and knocked out Chukagan, if Chukagan yeah. would have won that fight instead, because we'd already seen Chuchenko beat Chukagan, then I bet yeah. that's how Lauren Murphy could have jumped into that. But because maybe, Andrade came maybe in, you do Chukagan <coughs> versus Tatiana, that's a good fight. I'm down for yeah. that. That may, that would that would make a lot of sense actually, because Chukagan, yeah. no one's no one is is chomping at the bit to see her fight Chuchenko ever again. No, but no. she's and but she is the number one kind fan. of eliminate that contender status exactly and that's the thing if you wind up winning like 10 fights in a row or something then sure like you get another shot but like if you know you basically have to do that at this point shivjanko is so much better than the rest of the division it's just it's not it's it's unreal how much better she is than the rest of the 125ers uh john gorman brings up mackenzie dern mackenzie dern could be a really really interesting one um, she just is still a little untested, but if if she can beat like a top five at one twenty five, I would say title shot. Yeah. So my buddy um, who lives in Kansas, he came down here for UFC two sixty two. He goes to all the Invictas, right? So they had an event, and I don't. We're not autograph hounds, but if the opportunity presents itself. We'll, we'll print some eight by tens, bring some markers, get some stuff signed, you know? So I don't remember who it was that was doing like uh taught, like just a open Q and a on their Instagram. And he saw that like all of them were at the hotel and it killed him because he goes to all the events. And uh, he just asked, like, is there any possible way I could stop by the hotel just to meet you guys? And they were like, sure. So he went to the hotel. He met he met uh, her. He met Marina Rodriguez. He met Jessica Andrade. He met uh, the girl that just won the Invicta title. Like, all of them. He said they were all super cool. Like, none of them tried to blow them off. None of them were worried about masks or anything like that. So no social distancing issues, like just very approachable. And they all signed his stuff. So nice. You know, it's crazy though. Like he's gone to just those Invictus shows and it's like a little small venue and like Halle Berry's been there. Tyree kill has been there. Like there's a lot of people that just pop up to watch fights. That's cool. I love that Halle Berry's a real fan too. She's not just like just like pretending to be an MMA. Like she watches yeah. all of it. Like I think. Well, you awesome. gotta be if you go to Invicta. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. You know I, mean? I mean, but in 
in Invicta, you know, I'll give credit where it's due for sure. Like that's definitely the organization to to pull from. Like if you're looking for female talent for the UFC, like Invicta is the place to look for sure. They they've been yeah. generating great talent. But uh but yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's like uh it's almost like going to a PWG show. You find out like a celebrity went to PWG or something. You're like, well, that's amazing. I didn't expect to think you'd be going to Racina. Huh? 49ers fan. He's like, uh, he's been there. He met Rhonda. He got a picture taken with Rhonda, Becky Lynch, Josh Barnett's there. Like the, the one celebrity with his girlfriend, she's a Hollywood star, whatever. He took her there. Um, yeah, they have all sorts of people there. That's the one. I wonder if they ever come back. Who in Vita? P- PWG. Oh, PWG. Um, I was gonna say Vita's been running. Yeah, I don't know because PWG they they got rid of that venue, then they went yep. to a new place, and then the pandemic yep. happened. So, yep. I, I, I and they used a lot of like AEW talent that now isn't there. So, like, I don't. I don't know. I mean, like, MSK is their tag team champions, I'm pretty sure, right now. PWG. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Via Varga. Um, yeah, so with uh, the UFC, what's the next main event? Isn't it um, Rosenstrike? Yeah. That's Ro- two weeks? That's, yeah, there's nothing this weekend. And then it's yeah. two weeks from now. And uh, it's basically an opportunity, like, if Rose. If Rosen Strike can just get another knockout, um, I mean that's basically what he all he is at this point, right? It's like people want to see him get a first round knockout, and I mean that's that's really what it. Or I mean he's he's had some later round knockouts too, of course, like um, the Overeem fight, for instance. Yeah. But um, yeah, and then so his opponent Sakai, I can't remember what his last fight was. Um, I have to look that up. Augusto Sakai. He is. I recognize him. I just can't remember. And I know he won his last fight. I just can't remember who it was against. Oh, no, he lost to Overeem. That's what his last one was. Okay. Wow. Lost to Overeem. But, he, hmm. but up to that point, he had won one, two, three, four, five, six in a row. Wow. Some of those names were Blagoy Ivanov, Mar- Marcin Tiburo, Andre Arlovsky, Chase Sherman. His only losses, his only losses in his career to Overeem in Congo, and the Congo one was a split decision in Bellator. So he's a good fighter. Um, yeah. Did you watch Bellator at all? The uh, the cyborg fight. Yeah, just the events in general. I, I didn't watch the whole event, but I watched the. Uh, like the second half of the cyborg Leslie Smith. Dude, it I was like five straight decisions except cyborg, but it ended in the last 10 seconds of the fifth round. Like, man. But I will say, like, I was um I was really impressed by Mr. Paige Van Zant. I thought he looked really good. And I think he's ranked like number three now in that division. So Austin, I think he's gonna get a title shot. Austin Vanderford. Yep. And he fought Leon Edwards' brother. That's right. That's right, yeah. Um, Good for him. He had his head split open and was, like, totally comfortable about it. Like, just – he's a fighter. You can tell. He's just down. So – 
I, I did cool. like that. Um, Valerie Laredo lost, which that was a big – she looks so much more talented than the person she lost to. It just didn't go her way. Like, once it hit the ground, she's kind of a novice. But she didn't get tapped, but she even dropped her right at the beginning. But she needs – she's green. She's young. Yeah. She needs a lot of work. So – so they're going to do Vanderford and Musasi? Possibly. I don't think yet. I think Musasi already has something lined up, and then it'll be the winner will face Vanderford. Interesting. Yeah, it Musasi also looks like Andre, I mean, uh, Rumble Johnson, like, he got arrested, but, like, he's training. And like they haven't done much about it. I have so. no idea what that was all. I mean, I I, I saw like I was some identity theft thing. Yeah, but I think I could be totally wrong. But I think what was kind of implied when I was reading about all that is that it sounds like it could have been his management that actually was like the one who booked the flights and stuff for him. Because what I think he got in trouble for was using a fake ID to purchase his his plane tickets. Oh no, sorry, a fake a fake. Or someone else's card. No, it wasn't his debit card. Wrong that was, credit card or wrong right. debit card. Okay, um, which is a really common thing, actually. Like yeah, credit card sure. fraud. Like I mean, like teenagers learn how to swipe. They call it swiping and scamming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's you can figure out how to do it on the dark web very easily. But but anyway, right. the the point is, I some somewhere along the line, some either Rumble or someone on his team used used a fraudulent card to purchase his plane tickets to the Bellator fight. So like these, the money was used to get him to the fight, which is strange. Like I figured Bellator took care of that stuff anyways. I uh, bet they I do guess. now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that was a, that was a very strange thing, but, but I will give rumble a little more slack if we find out like he had nothing to do with buying his own tickets. And if it was like, like some dumbass manager that he can just fire, then then just move forward with his life. Like I'm fine with that, you know, but yeah, and I mean, it seems like he's gonna get a title shot. So he's gonna win the title. I think he's gonna beat Nemkov. I agree. So <laughs> you better make sure that everything's okay because he's about to be your champion. So yeah, but they don't seem like <laughs> freaked out about it or anything. So maybe it's just a big misunderstanding. Who knows? I saw the I saw the reports of it that day, and I have not seen anything since. So I don't know. But yeah. Uh, Bellator is actually going to have fans in June, like a couple weeks. So I don't know how many or whatever, but I saw everything seems to be going. I, don't, I can't remember who he's fighting, but I know Liam is defending the title soon. I wonder if they'll have fans for that. I don't remember who he's fighting either. Yeah, they've I got a lot of guys month. that are like that not very known, but are on like win streaks that have earned title shots. So we'll see if these guys are any good and if they're worthy enough. But I did find interesting MVP did an interview recently and he said that eventually he would like to be in the UFC. So that's okay. You know, I mean, that's not surprising to hear, though. I figure he, I figure he would aspire. Usually, to they wait till the contract's about up. So I don't know. But he probably figures they're going to keep feeding him cans the whole time he's in Bellator. So like, yeah, he's either cans or the champion, and like we saw what happens when he fights the champion. So it's uh the last guy he fought is 
pretty decent. He kicked him right in the face and broke his nose, and they called it. But yeah. I, I, I do think Bellator is going to go through a little bit before it starts to get some buzz. It's like, dude, they're promoting Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather during that production. It's like, oh, my God. I just want that fight to end. Like, I'm more interested in Chad Johnson's fight with the bare-knuckle fighter than I am with Floyd and Logan. I like, forgot that OJ Cinco is fighting. Yes, he is fighting. And he only took the fight, like, on six weeks. When I told you, I told you Lamar Odom trained at my brother's gym last week. Yeah, how did that go? He's going to kill Aaron Carter. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. Um, I mean, based on the little bit I know and that I've heard and the little bit I've seen from Lamar versus the little bit I've seen of Aaron, like, because I was one of those people that was like, you know, maybe Aaron can, like, you know, work the body and blah, blah, blah. Then I saw him sparring, and I was like, oh, okay. But then I was like, you know what? Lamar Odom's had his problems. Like, maybe. Then there's a couple things, like, from the sparring that I got kind of tipped off on, we'll just say. And because I don't know how that works. Like, they don't want all this information out there and people knowing that, like, people go to the gyms and shit. But, like, yeah, he's gonna kill Aaron Carter. Like, I, I mean, you—I don't know what the betting lines are, but if like there's any money to be made, I would definitely put it on Lamar Odom. But I'd imagine that Aaron Carter is like the significant underdog. I would but, think uh, so. Yeah, I would think so. It's—I think he's—it's gonna be probably within the first round. I think he's gonna—he's gonna within the first probably two punches. I think it'll probably be over. If if Oscar De La Hoya was gonna fight George St. Pierre, like. Who do you think that is out there that he would want to fight that's an MMA fighter? That De La Hoya would want to fight? Yeah, that's actually available. That, like, isn't under UFC contract or something? Yeah. Um, well, well, I was going to say size-wise, but, I mean, I'd like to see him work Tyron Woodley. Um, Boy, that would be different. He would murder Tyron Woodley. He wouldn't I think be close. So. Um, but that's a fight that I could see maybe being possible. Um, cause you're still talking 170 with Woodley if, when he cuts, which isn't, which is what GSP might be 180. At. I don't know. Oscar looks like crap. So I, I, I maybe 165. I have but, no idea. But they also might agree to some sort of like, yeah, than Paul Mayweather thing where there's like a 30 pound difference or whatever. Oh, there's going to be more than that. Jeez. Yeah. Um, so I would say, man, that like I'd actually want to see. I don't know about want, but just who do you think that they'll end up doing? I mean, is Chuck Maybe. out of the question now? Are they not talking about but that please, anymore? Oh, God, don't. No, God, no. No, God, no. Taylor Hoy and Anderson? Is that what you're saying no to or to Chuck? Chuck. Well, because – Dale Hoy Anderson might be okay. Um, I would be okay with that. Well, Chuck I'm okay with too, but Chuck would get knocked out very quickly. That's why I don't want to see it. I'm surprised you you aren't begging for it. (laughs) I used to hate Chuck, but like, I really, I really like Chuck. I think as it all, it's all over and the rivalry between Tito and all that's pretty much squashed. It's like, 
I just remember no matter what, if I liked Chuck or I hated Chuck, I bought pay-per-views to see Chuck fight. And Chuck was a huge part of that era. So I've, I've, I've accepted what Chuck is and his legacy. And so, yeah, like I have no problems with Chuck. But I don't, I don't want to see him just be such a shell of himself, like to be knocked out by a jab and like just that's terrible. That third Tito fight was just so embarrassing. Listen, the man what? wanted it. The man wanted it. Oh, I know. He thought sure. it was a warm up fight for him, and he got his ass whooped. Oh, even like, after the fight, the saddest thing for me was after the fight when he was doing interviews. Like, yeah, I think I still got it. I felt pretty good in there. It's like, no, you, dude, dude, no. There was nothing that. about that. It that. was was so cold. Tito knocked him out right in front of his wife, right in front of her. I mean, she's standing right there, and Tito uh, hit him with the grave digger. And then when he was down, one more shot right in front of his wife, like, boom. Yeah, exactly. And... <laughs> um. And, and dude, Tito, like he was all like, "Hey, Chuck, you want to run it back in the UFC?" Like, bro, it's over, it's over. And I'm worried that Tito's gonna fight again. The man's like now 46. Like, when I ordered UFC 40, Chuck was like, or I mean, Tito was like 28. And now, and I remember, God, I remember this like vividly. Tito was all like. I'm never going to be like an old guy still fighting like 32, 35. I'll hang it up 46 and still wanting to fight. Like, uh, just yeah, let it go. He beat the hell out of a Bertrand Del Rio though. Oh, I love it. I yeah. love it. Dude. When Tito hit Alberto with a punch and Alberto was a little rocked from it. And then it was just like, Oh, Tito took him down. And was like, I loved it. Alberto's yeah. such a piece of garbage, and like he needed to be humbled. And the, that whole thing you know, was exactly such a joke. What he was supposed to do to him. It's not yeah. like Tito went in there and like struggled or whatever. Like he he easily beat him. Yeah, and that whole thing was such a such a circus. Like the 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 UFC belt and the WWE belt were on the line. On the line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then he gave the WWE title to his kids. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, and then was, like it was a it was a spinner it was a, it was a spinner belt spinner too. belt yeah. yep. spinner <laughs> belt. Oh boy! But that was like a perfect fight for Tito, in my opinion, because it's like you could still sell pay per views. It's not that big of a threat, and you can do whatever. I. I really think, like, if I was Jake Paul, I'd be calling Tito. Like, I think you yeah. could you could do that, and he could shred Tito in the press conferences and just like troll the piss out of him. And I think they could generate a big buy rate. And I would love to see Tito get like a two million dollar payday and just kind of go off on the sunset. Whatever happens, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Tito, we've talked about it before, but Tito would just get so verbally destroyed in the buildup. I wouldn't like, be surprised was, if Jake Paul showed up with Jenna. Right. Like, like, like phoned her right in front of him. Yeah. Like, right. like, yeah, like literally. Like, he would do something like that. So yeah. I, I just, uh, yeah, that'd be bad. That'd be he real would just bad. Just have some pre-planned comeback that doesn't work. You don't, you don't fight that good, idiot. Yeah, like, oh yeah. God, oh God. Oh. <laughs> like, or it would be like you're you're an idiot who doesn't fight the best uh, because I'm the best. Then you're like, hmm? yeah, yeah. No, what I you know about the legends from Huntington Beach? Like yeah. me and Tank Abbott. Oof. That's so crazy to me that like Tito is like Randy's age, like older. <laughs> and like, I mean, I just know Tito as a kid, like 28 years old, full of piss and vinegar, ready to fight anybody. Yeah. And it's all, man, it goes by quick. It goes by quick. I mean, when I, when I remember like 2002, 2001, that feels like about ten years ago. Right. It does not feel about twenty. Like yeah. that's that's wild to me. Yeah. So. I feel that for sure. Well, is there anything else we need to cover? Are you gonna be okay without the Mighty Ducks? Like this is ending. Oh, this is a good thing to end on today for the for the live chat. I'll chug this, this white claw your... and then we'll talk to Mighty Ducks. Oh oh real quick, since we're talking about MMA. Props to you for getting uh, the Fightful watch-along on MMA. So nice. you guys watch fights, and you want to hear Steven's like, live play-by-play thoughts, check it out. Yeah, Do you cover you. the fights afterwards as well? So what I think we're going to mainly be doing, at least initially, is I'll just be there – It'll be like this, like a watch along. I can't show the fights, obviously, because YouTube right. with their copyright. Yeah. But um, I tell everyone where we're synced up at, kind of like a Joe Rogan fight companion type thing. It's probably the most common, uh, you know, comparison. Right. But um, we're going to be doing probably, at the very least, the next show, I'll be doing the co-main and the main event, maybe the whole card, because like San, San Diego Ponzinibbio is on that card too, and I like yeah. him, so... So we might do the full card. I'll be there for sure for the full main card for UFC 263. We'll do the full main card for pay-per-view. And so basically the gist of it is I'll be there live to watch the fights with y'all. It's it's on the main Fightful YouTube channel is where we do the watch-alongs. So if you're following Fightful on YouTube, and also if you don't mind shooting a follow or subscription to Fightful MMA, which is going to be more of a hub for like, you know, obviously MMA-based stuff, but... Um, obviously Fightful's real bread and butter. What they're mainly known for is the pro wrestling stuff. So, so anyways, that's a kind of a roundabout way of saying, yeah, I was wondering about that. Like, are they really trying to make their MMA side bigger or they just wanting to make sure they cover it for their website? Like, how's that work? Um, sorry. I don't want to speak too much to, uh, to that because I don't know, to be honest, like a hundred percent exactly where their head is with that. But, but what the gist I get from it is basically they're they're If I was to just kind of guess, I would say 90 to 95% of what fightful is, is going to be pro wrestling and pro wrestling coverage. 
But that other 5%, like, I think, you know, they, they got some good writers there at Fightful MMA. So they do, they're going to have sections still where they're going to be doing articles and news and updates on a live, live fight, um, you know, text and stuff like that. Yeah. But I don't think that there's so much in the business of like trying to make like a heavy push to compete with like, uh, with like an MMA, MMA fighting, fighting or, yeah. or even, and there's, there's ideas that I have that I'd like to implement too. So it'll be a work in progress type thing. But, um, at the with end my, of the day though, I think that they really not fightful or anything, but just in general, I think people really like underestimate the crossover. I think that yeah. they're both, they're, they're both fans of it. If it's just about, promoting it the right way and, and getting people uh, buzzed about it. On well, just for anyone, just for anyone listening that might want to go into that kind of line of work or something at some point, a big, and Sean, Sean Ross tells me this. Um, he told me this on multiple occasions that a big reason why I get a lot of the opportunities I get with Fightful, whether it's with the pro wrestling or it's with, you know, something on YouTube or my audio only show or Fightful Select or the watch along, whatever it is. A lot of the time it's because I'm, I'm very diverse. Like I can, I can cover MMA or I can cover pro wrestling. So like they have the option there of being like, we need somebody to do our, our AEW show on a Wednesday night. And like, I'm and they'll, they'll hit me up. Like, cause they know yeah. I watch AEW. Um, they can, they can, when the, these ideas came up for, for the Fightful watch-alongs for UFC, it's like, who do we know who we already work with, who we trust and we like that does this for pro wrestling? Oh, wait, Steven does MMA also. We can use him for the MMA stuff. So it's like you, yeah. it's, it's the being diverse and, and like, it, but here's the thing. I don't consciously think of any of these things. I just, I just pursue the stuff that I like. Like yep. for this for the same reason you don't see me tweeting about Monday Night Raw because I'm not watching the show because I don't like it yep. I don't care about it um so it's one of those things where anyways the a big reason is it's to your point it's there are a lot of fans like us like me and you who are fans of both MMA and pro wrestling and <clears throat> and even if you don't like one or you don't like the other or you feel like you don't there is going to be some elements about the other that. At the very least, I think you should give it a try. So, well, like I got that, um, I got Chase who follows me on Twitter, big Tessa, big Sasha fan, all that. And I'm like, dude, you seem to really like the female wrestlers. You should give oh, female MMA a shot. Yeah. Because, like, yes. the Valentinas, the Yoanas, like, there's Nunez. so many Nunez. There's so many talented women that are charismatic, that are very, really like high level talented. And like, I think that if you're a fan of female wrestling, you could definitely be a fan of female MMA. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more about that, especially because I really believe you have your outliers. Don't get me wrong. You have your your handful of stars like your Charlottes and your your Beckys and stuff. But like in pro wrestling, I feel like you have your, your really big females. You, sorry, you have your really big male stars. And yeah. then you have like a pretty sing and you have your big you have your big male stars. You have your really, really big female stars like your Charlottes yeah. and Beckys. But then on the female side, I think there's a pretty big drop off between like that group and the re- in in MMA. That gap isn't nearly as big between the the women and the men as far as like if you tune in and you watch 
I mean, they steal the show half the time on on yep. on the UFC. They go out and they have these. Then they scrap. And the other side of it is, it's re- I, I know wrestling is predetermined, but like MMA, that is real. Like you are finding out who are the actual most badass women in the world. The, these women who can beat up like any woman who fights for the UFC can kick my ass. You know what I mean? I'm never going to be one of those people that's like men, you know, women can't beat up men. Like yeah. any, any yeah, one of those yeah. women can kick my ass any day of the week. You know what I'm yep. saying? So it's like, I get to see something that I think is very special. These women are incredibly high level athletes. And once again, the gap isn't at, when you watch Joanna and Jacek versus Wiley Zhang, you're not sitting there thinking like, Oh, they botched this, or they weren't quite as fast, or not quite as strong, or they couldn't yeah. get over the top rope, or, or whatever. Why or aren't they getting pushed? Like right. this, this exactly. bull crap. Exactly. When like Billy Kay and Peyton Royce aren't getting a push and stuff, and people are complaining, and it's like it's pretty clear where the talent level lies. But then you see yep. stuff with like you see Amanda Nunez, and you're like, oh, this not only the best woman I've ever seen fight, she's she's up there with some of the best men. It seems like I mean, she's like like there are oh, like when you see Amanda punch. That's a man's punch. Like the power that comes from that is just unbelievable. You don't see that from a lot of women. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like they, what I what I love about MMA too is there's so much culture, different yes. countries, different backgrounds, different stories, like different fighting camps. Well, like that, that's, that's there's a lot to say. It is. And that's why with MMA, I think it is the most pure form of any kind of sport or physical type competition in the world. Because you literally, like you just said, it doesn't matter. It's a big reason why soccer is so popular worldwide, right? To play soccer, as long as you have something to kick and something to kick it at, you can play soccer. MMA, you have your fans, your fists, everyone has the same. Some people are going to have like physical attributes that are going to be better than others, but for the most part, it doesn't matter where in the world you live. You got hands, you got feet. Some people like Nick Newell, like he only got one hand. You know what I mean? He's yep. still able to be out there and be a high level dude fighting for Bellator. I mean, it's it's incredible. And the and the stories that come from it and the willpower and just the, the pretty much the superhuman abilities that these talents have to even be in this sport to begin with, and how hard they yep. train. It's yeah, it really is something really, really special what they're what they're able to do for ultimately for our entertainment at the end of the day. Yep. We're sitting back I'm sitting back drinking beer and, and watching it. I I get paid to watch it at this point. Like I owe these people so much for what they do. Yeah. It's like I, yeah. I'll never be able to pay these people back. Well, and like what I love too is like there's like feels like there's no stars on the horizon, and then like one fight yep. night. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, that could be a contender. Oh, that could be, you know what I mean? Like, and speaking of that, like, the Ultimate Fighter is about to come back. And you never know what's going to come out of that. Like, I, it's just, what I love about the sport is it just kind of takes care of itself. Like, you don't, you don't have to necessarily, like, be strategic with matchups and whatever. You just throw it out there and they're going to, whoever's going to win is going to win. And you just go with that. You know, yes, it can be a disaster when you have someone like a Connor who's as over as anybody in MMA and you want him to win to keep it going, but that's not the sport. Well, who are the coaches, Volkanovski and Ortega? Yes. Interesting choice. I hate because they were supposed to fight already. I they hate were, yeah. So long, and it, but, it was uh, really supposed to be Masvidal and Colby, which would have just been fantastic. So, yeah. That would have been, which huge. makes me wonder, like, 
when Usman and Colby will happen and all that. Like, I'm hoping. I, I just, God dang it, give me Nick Diaz and yes. Jorge Masvidal. Like, please, <laughs> please. It'd be amazing. I just want to see Nick in there against anyone, but I mean that is the Nick, Nick and Masvidal and Nick and Connor. Those are the two that it's like. Yeah. I you cannot go wrong with which are those. both Nate's fights. So like it's like yeah, we'll see if it happens. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I'm, I I really want to see him. I mean we talk about him a lot, but I I really really want to see Nick back, and it'll be good to see Nate back next month um, against Leon Edwards. So there's a there's a lot of really good stuff on the horizon. Yeah, no, and then says Dana yeah. doesn't, and and it seems like that, and it makes me feel like the Chimaev offer was real, and Nick turned it down, and then Dana's like, well, I don't think he really wants to fight. That you know sounds I mean? like to me too. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, like uh, I don't know if that's gonna happen. I hate how they treat people like that too the ufc like i i i'm very pro dana white by the way like I, yeah. historically speaking even like i'm i've always been a big fan of his i've always seen him as kind but, of like like new if if you've been a fan for like 20 years and you haven't had a problem with dana white like i don't know right. who you are right like, there's always right. you the wrong way at some point for sure and that's 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 part of it with <clears throat> with something like this with nick diaz where that very likely the scenario you just said is, is how it went down. And it's, it's like, it's like, you should just really be happy that Nick wants to f- even fight for you. Agreed. anymore. Like just get him in there against anybody, do it for the fans, do it. And, and then you like, cause Dan is also really bad about, like, I remember Curtis blades and Alexander Volkov is a great example where Curtis blades wins this fight that he was the under probably, I don't know if it's the underdog, but it was a really close close matchup Curtis blades wins by basically taking him down over and over again, but he clearly yeah. wins the fight. And after the fight, all Dana's talking about is, well, this one didn't do anything for Curtis blades. Like, yeah. like this all, and it's like, you're totally devaluing all the hard work this guy did. Like he came in with a great game plan and he won fair and square. And now you're making it seem like this guy sucks because you weren't entertained by the fight. Like that's messed up. He definitely, doesn't always promote his fighters. Like if he thought the fight stunk, then he'll say it. And like Scott Coker will not, he'll promote his fighter. It's like, Oh, you know, it's not always the most exciting, but we got another win. He's heading towards that title shot, you know, whatever. But Dana will be like, that fight sucked. Fight sucked. And he could have done a lot more. Like I'm not, you know, you don't get on the main event to hold a guy down for five rounds. Like, so right. yeah. Well, you uh, you booked the fight, Dana. So yeah. You know, <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. And not only that, when you're like, you give him a win bonus, and if you lose, you're out of the rankings. If you win, you're like right there. Like, there's a lot of pressure. Exactly. The win bonus thing, especially like you just said, I mean, some of you listening might not know, but in the UFC, unless you're like Conor McGregor level or like a Brock Lesnar type where you're getting all guaranteed money, which once again, this is maybe maybe a handful of people in the UFC get that everyone else is fighting on 50 50 pay where they only get half of their money if they lose. So there's 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 that 
a, a long-running argument in the MMA world of whether whether because in boxing it's guaranteed upfront money, and so so boxers are less likely to keep fighting and dealing with brain damage and things because like during a fight because they're like, okay, you know what, I'm getting worked right now. I got nothing for this dude. We got three rounds left. I'm getting my ass kicked. I'm going to get out of here with my health. And I know exactly how much money I'm making. I'm not missing out on anything. But in UFC, you could be two rounds in, three rounds left. You are concussed and your legs barely hanging on, your fingers broken and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, I mean, I'm going to keep swinging for the fences because if I don't, I'm only getting half my money. So, like, it's a a bad position to be and in there will so. be times too where you like you know you're gonna lose but hey i have a shot at that fight of the night bonus so i'm just gonna swing you and know that's why they got rid of the submission of the night and stuff because people were like trying to go out of their way because like there'd be like a big knockout early in the in the show or something i'd be like i'm definitely not gonna be able to get knockout on the night so i'm gonna try to get a yeah. submission because <laughs> so. they got too strategic yeah and now you're like fighting to like a lower ability level because you're trying to fit specific win incentives. So yeah. yeah. And usually if you pull off a wicked submission, you'll get like performance of the night. But that yeah. was before because it remember it used yeah. to be submission no, of the night, knockout of the night, fight yep. of the night. Yep. Um but now they just add it to the performance of the night. And if it was just like some average submission, then then they don't even worry about submission. Right, exactly. Now it's just performance of the nights and fight of the night, but that can—that's very objective. You're, you're, you know, you can. That's got a big net. You can kind of decide on a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Do you want to talk game changers very quickly before we get out of here at the kind of three-hour mark here? Oh, Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, what's your prediction of how the show is going to end? Uh, we have talked about this privately. I've probably mentioned it on streams as well. Um, I think You're so giddy right now. It's so funny. So like, what I one thing I know will happen is those kids are for sure coming out on the ice at some point during that championship game wearing the original Mighty Ducks jerseys. That's for oh, sure. Oh, now, now the green. My yes, the green can't come out as Team USA, but I would or Eden Hall. Come on, the orange don't so, bother. <laughs> so we're gonna definitely get the the Mighty Ducks. And I've been calling it since the beginning of the series. I feel like the championship game, because now they've also planted the seeds where Coach T has now snitched on Bombay to the committee about, you know, he almost got him kicked out on the last episode. Like Bombay almost got kicked out because he confided in Coach T and then Coach T went and and ratted him out to the committee. So anyway, now there's more beef between Gordon and the Ducks and all this stuff. It's going to have to be the winner. Like, the Don't Bothers become the new Mighty Ducks at the end of this series. That has to be the big game, the big ending. And I'd like it even better if the ending is basically like, it's like Bombay gets the team back. Like, you're basically starting over, Bombay, new new team of Ducks, and then you can do a new movie, you can do a second season, you can do whatever. But, like, this is how we get to the new, as, as Doug leaves, this is how we get to the new Mighty Ducks. I hope you, those of you who are still here, are enjoying the show, and uh, yeah, appreciate that. I don't know if Doug's messing with me or if he, uh, if he actually just disconnected, but uh, but yeah, I can sign off here in a minute if he doesn't come back. 
let me know in the chat. Have you been watching Mighty Ducks Game Changers? And um, yeah, I don't know if, uh, if Doug's going to come back or not. I, I legitimately don't know if he cut this off because he was like, screw talking about this or if his internet just went out. So that being said, y'all can follow me on Twitter at fight talk underscore F I G H T T A L K underscore. If you want to watch some professional wrestling, check out IWTV.live or independentwrestling.tv. Use code fight talk F I G H T T A L K all one word with no space. That'll help me out a lot. And it helps my podcast out a lot, which is called fight talk. That's available on all major platforms, including iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and uh, Spotify, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called Fight Talk. You can find it. Just search my name, S-T-P-H-E-N-J-E-N-S-E-N. And like we were talking about earlier, Fightful, I'll be doing the watch-alongs for the UFC shows and probably some of the big Bellator events and some other MMA stuff, and y'all can check that all out at Fightful. Listen to the Fightful Select Weekender podcast every Sunday at FightfulSelect.com. I talk about independent ro- uh, independent pro wrestling. I talk about NXT UK, 205 Live, uh, uh, National Wrestling Alliance, Ring of Honor. I talk about a whole bunch of stuff. So if you want to follow me on Twitter at FightTalk underscore, I try to keep all that updated and all my YouTube shows that I do and all that stuff. So I'm going to assume that Doug has been cut offline or he's not coming back. So I will sign off for both of us. For Doug and for me, once again, thumbs ups on the videos are very much appreciated. If y'all send any last minute super chats, uh, we will try to answer those on the next show. And we'll plan on being back here once again on Tuesday at 10 p.m. Sorry, once again, that's Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern for another episode of Live Rounds. My voice is going on me. And expect a video on Thursday night. Me and Doug are going to do some deep dive predictions for aw double or nothing and if you're following me on twitter i'll be giving away some uh, wrestle rumble contest entries soon they have like a thousand dollars on the line and they're doing uh some belt gives giveaways so check out wrestlerumble.com and follow them on twitter at wrestle rumble to stay up to date with all their contests so until thursday once again thursday you're gonna see me and doug doing double or nothing predictions and then next tuesday another live episode right here of live rounds on the RVD Tito for Life YouTube channel. So once again, for Doug Bateman, I've been Steven Jensen. Have a good one.